Welcome to DOS Game Club, episode 48, in which we talk about Wing Commander, which is probably one of the biggest games we've had so far, don't you think, Tyne? Uh, well, we had a few big ones, uh, but in different genres. So, as far as uh, space combat simulators go, <laughs> Wing Commander's a pretty big one, yeah. Yeah, and certainly the biggest one we've covered, or will have covered at the end of the episode, so, um, we're here to discuss this game, but it's not only me and Tyne, which you already heard. There's also Richard. Hello. Who is Pix on the internet in most places. And there's also Esco. Hey! Firefight for most of us. So, let's get started. just occurred to me that I made the introduction without introducing myself. I am RNLF on the internet. Florian for everyone else. Yeah, so what is Swing Commander? Um, well, I, I already said it's a space combat simulator, yeah, right? what's that? It simulates space combat? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, episode over. Thanks for listening. <laughs> so can you go into a bit more detail, maybe? Yeah, well, it's not the first 
game in this genre at all. Actually, I think it was pretty big in the 80s already, where you had all these vehicle simulation games. Microprose made a whole bunch, um, like submarines and and, and jets and, and tanks and all sorts of stuff. So I think this game is sort of in that vein, where you're it's first person, so you're actually looking from the cockpit and you're you know you're inside this well spaceship fighter fighter things i don't know but i think what wing commander sets what what sets it apart from other games is that this game is much more cinematic than any of the other ones uh mm-hmm. this game focuses much more on a narrative much more on a creating an atmosphere um i don't think mo- many of the other simulation games were as much doing this as Wing Commander was doing. Yeah, it's certainly very early for this kind of, of game design and narrative design, right? Yeah. So... 1990. 1990, and obviously uh, Origin Systems, the same guys that also gave us Ultima and lots of other great games. Right. I guess we'll talk about them a bit more later on. But let's, let's just talk about who actually suggested the game and who played it before. So I think it was actually you who suggested the game, right, Richard? Yeah, that was me. I think Wing Commander is probably one of my favourite series, and then I, I played pretty much all of them through the nineties, starting with Wing Commander Two. So I was a bit late getting there, but it's it's just a series that I've sort of stuck with me through the years. So I've actually gone back and played most of the ports over the last ten years or so as oh, well. Wow. <laughs> so I've played an awful lot of Wing Commander over the years. Cool. And is there a special reason why you wanted to play the game this month specifically? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's, it's uh, a 30, 30th anniversary. We're going to be getting a lot of these wow. for DOS games, it yeah, to me coming up. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was 26th of September 1990, I think it was released. So I thought it just seemed appropriate, and it was a good excuse for me to go through the whole series, <laughs> which I spent most of the last month doing. That's really cool. So um, I assume I don't have to ask you whether you think it held up from what you remember the game being like? Well, I'm the worst possible person to judge with the amount of nostalgia, <laughs> shall we say. So I'll fan let you guys boy, really. answer that one. <laughs> a real fanboy. <laughs> so maybe let, let's get a second opinion. What about you, Esco? Have you played it before? Um, I have actually never played a main series Wing Commander game uh, before this month that we played it. I mean, I've played uh, hours of Privateer and hours of Wing Commander Academy. They don't really count, although it's very much sort of, especially Academy is sort of very much just the same game without the story in it. But this was the first time uh, playing uh, a uh, true Wing Commander title. So I guess we'll hear more about what you thought. So you didn't play it before. Fine. What about you? I assume it was in the big ominous box of floppy disks um, that you got. Actually, uh, Wing Commander 2 was. So I remember as a kid playing Wing Commander 2. Um, I, don't, I don't think I ever made much meaningful progress with that one, though. I generally found it really difficult. I did enjoy it, though. And I remember really liking the lions in the cutscenes, just... I just remember thinking, "Ooh, that's a cool lion," uh, and and then not, not really realizing how that is attached or connected to the rest of the game. Because <laughs> then I was just inside a cockpit and and flying in space, and I was just thinking, "Where are the lions?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, as a kid, I I don't think I played more than a few missions, and and just yeah, wasn't really successful. Uh, at all. I right. did sort of like it, but yeah. 
Um, so no, this was actually the first time that I played the the original game, cool. and it's remarkably similar to the sequel. Actually, hmm. I, th I thought it's uh, well. I assume there will be time to talk about that as well, right? Mm, definitely. So, well, for, for me, I, I obviously I had heard about the game. You cannot uh, go on without hearing about the game at least. And I think in our Strike Commander um, episode, we also talked a bit about Wing Commander. And actually, a few years ago, I got the Super Nintendo version of the game and tried it and didn't really like it all too much. So I stopped playing and only revisited it now, right? That's 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 my story of the game, basically. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a bit odd, that Super Nintendo port, from what I remember. The sort of ship sort of stick at a distance. It's sort of all sorts of little tricks going on to fit mm -hmm. it onto a console. <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't really work all too well. They probably did did better with the Sega CD version because they had a whole CD. Mm. On the other hand, the, the SNES has probably a bit more graphics power. Anyway, we're not here to dis discuss the console ports, right? Well, we'll, we'll mention them <laughs> later on. But, right. but does, does a 1990p C really have that much graphics power itself even? So. Oh, well. <laughs> Let's talk about that as well later. Yeah. People have opinions on that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, here's also a remark in our Great Notes document that says, Box Contents. Yes, I put it there because I know Richard has a boxed copy, um, and I want are. him. <laughs> I want him to explain how awesome this box is, because I think there's a lot of cool stuff inside. Yeah, it's it's sort of typical for Origin systems at the time, so they're sort of coming off of their RPG period. I think this is sort of a where they started breaking away from RPGs, but they sort of had their cloth maps before, so you can't really have a cloth map with. Of space. A space game, yeah, it'd just be blank one day. Let's face it. So, so instead, we got we got four massive sort of fold out blueprints of all the ships that you fly in the game, which also serve as copy protection, of course. Hmm. Uh, several several manuals, but there's also there's a Claw Marks magazine, which is like a pretend in flight magazine for the ship that you fly, you're based on in the game. So you've got pilots in there giving you tactics and introducing all the all of them and write-ups on Kilrath, the aces, the, the aliens that you're fighting. Sounds kind of uh, familiar uh, after we discussed Strike Commander a couple of years ago because they did the same thing there, right? Yeah. Seems, seems like, like that's, that's caught on. Yeah, so it's very much an origin thing. They just like to, like to keep sort of everything in universe. Uh, it's sort of pretending like it could be out of the game or whatever, just, mm. just to build the atmosphere. Yeah, I think it really works. I think you really, when you start playing this game, you really feel a part of this crew. Like you're really addressed all the time as, as well, someone aboard this ship and then taken into all the, the where the story goes. I think it really works. It, it's a little bit similar to what later RTSs were doing, like Command and Conquer, where they would address you as some kind of general uh, and, and really take you into the... Like, you're, you're a player in this story. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it really works what they're doing there. Well, yeah, yeah you, even, well, you even get to enter your own call sign and name, don't you? So they actually use your own name. Yeah. And you're addressed at this, uh, as yeah, your exactly. name in the game. That's that's very cool, especially for a game that early, really, right? Yeah. And even in those, in the cutscenes, they will replace the name with yours. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So was it all the box contents, or is there anything missing? Oh, hang on, I'll reach you. Hang on. <laughs> there was actually a case when this went to 30 years, 
if you went into Twitter on that day, at least my Twitter feed was absolutely full with mm. uh, various notable people remembering their wing commander and pulling out their box copy of it. Then, and, and yeah. this was it's it's uh, it's one of those games is that the the people that loved it in in the day would have probably still kept their box copy complete, and there's a lot of interesting stuff in it. Yeah, this game really has its super fans. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, there's several manuals. It's got, like, a quick reference card because there's quite a lot of keys to remember in the game, I guess. So you don't actually need all of them, but... And uh, what else? Read me first. Installation instructions, so we don't worry too much about <laughs> is, them is these that days. in universe too? It isn't. Uh, not entirely, anyway. <laughs> At least not the same universe. That's, that's about it for that. So uh, if if you look at the back of the box, what are the system requirements uh, stated on the back of the box? Just out of interest of 1990 computer, computer so, requirements. There uh, we go. 12 megahertz or higher. It is. So it, it would actually run on a 286 in theory. <laughs> nice. That's impressive. Yeah, and it downscaled the graphics. So I think it had a, a routine that sort of recompiles them all into whatever system you're on, if you're on EGA or Tandy. Oh, that's cool. I was just wondering if it's VGA only, but it's it's not. Yeah, it's it. Well, I mean, it's, it basically downgrades them. You have to. You probably sat on the machine at the time. You might have been sat there for about twenty minutes while it did it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you could play. Yeah, exactly. Eventually, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. There's something interesting about this episode because we got a well. Let's let's call it a massive amount of voice messages. <laughs> Well, for for our standards, for our standards, anyway, right? It's three voice messages, um, and w- shall we say that they are all from people who have been on the show before? No, that's that's a secret, right? Uh, and it's also not true. Oh, it's it's not. No, the last one isn't. Oh, Spoonboy hasn't been. Oh, no. I thought he was. Great. So it's only only two messages from guys who have been on the show. Spoonboy has been around on the chat for so long that I basically count him as one of us. Anyway, shall we listen to some voice messages? Definitely. Yes, please. So the first one we got is from Shattered, also known as John or the other way around. And let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Shattered here. I thought it would be fun to do something different in a voice message. Let's play a music trivia game where I'm going to play a song and you guess which game and which part of the game it's from. Uh-oh. Ready? Mm. No. Commander 2, you get a point. I didn't. <laughs> Not that, but everybody yeah, counter points. Well. I never played Wing Commander 2, so no idea. It's an ultimate if seven you as well. Song the any cutscene with Prince Thrakat, you get another point. I was still at zero. Ready for the bonus round? Which no. other DOS game club? Game of the month. Does this song appear in? Oh, they said that. <laughs> I think you, Richard scored. Richard spoiled it. Be December of 2019's Ultima Seven: The Black Gate. 
East of the town of Britain, there is a farm with a crash-landed spaceship, and as you walk up to it, this exact song begins playing. <laughs> Where did this spaceship in the middle of a fantasy role-playing game come from? Is it a Hichi vessel Space. whose prospector is entering random codes looking for an Easter egg? <laughs> Actually, the farmer says a tiger lion emerged from it and says, kill Rathi. What does this mean? So many unsolved mysteries, but at least we have one new answer. Which Wing Commander game is the best? Well, obviously, that's Ultima 7. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what an awesome voice message wow. in fact I think no, nobody of us listened to it before playing it and no. we're all a bit shocked how great it yeah. is yeah that also means people can just send awful things and we'll just play it right <laughs> we'll just edit them out if they're bad yeah. yes. don't worry we can totally edit them out if they're too terrible but that was a great voice message no that was amazing so I'm pretty sure I'm at zero points and you guys all have three points. No, no, I have one. I only knew it was from Wing Commander 2. I had no idea about the other stuff. I have zero. I've never played Wing Commander 2, not even during this month. So I'm in second place with zero points. Did I get that right? <laughs> Third place with zero points. Yeah, Richard ah. gets full marks. <laughs> ah, I've just played, well, I already played Wing Commander 2, so... Not too much about the game itself, but... Yeah. Still very Thanks good. Thanks a lot for this very cool yeah. message. Then we have a very short message from Evil Commie Dictator, David, who has been on the show a couple of times. Let's listen to that one. Hi. Uh, Wing Commander was fun. I can see why it was such a big game at the time. I hate asteroids. I hate collisions with capital ships. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's to the point. Very much. <laughs> yep. Can't disagree, really. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also sure this is maybe the shortest voice message we've received so far in the club. Yeah, probably. 11 seconds. Mm. Right. And there is another message, um, this time from Rob or Spoonboy, who I thought had been on the show before, but obviously I'm wrong. Hi, DOS fans. My name is Rob. I'm calling from the UK. I'm Spoonboy on the forums, and I really enjoyed playing Wing Commander this month. I never really uh, played it very much back in the day. I was much more into my Earth-based microprose sims, so I never really played it. But uh, found the uh, the plot-driven gameplay and the interaction with all the characters in the game really refreshing from what my experience is in the past. I played it on my phone, which I do with a lot of my DOS games, and um, getting the controls was uh, all set up was quite a challenge. But once I got that, and the game really opened up, and I really started to enjoy it. The combat was pretty tough, though, uh, mainly because I found it hard to judge the speed and direction of the uh, the enemy ships. Quite difficult uh, being animated sprites um, rather than the 3D polygons that I'm used to with my other Sims. So my success rate was not great. The space cats were definitely winning. Many of my useless wingmen were sacrificed. Um, I ejected many, many times. And uh, that was good, though, because it meant I could enjoy all the great cutscenes that you get when you do these things. And I think these cutscenes really added to the game, uh, along with those <laughs> animated menus. Uh, I think those features would have been real talking points when the game first came out. One thing I did love was all the documentation that you can get with the game. I got my game from GOG when it was on sale a while ago, and uh, it comes with downloadable reference cards, there's blueprints for all the ships, there's a huge Bible document which contains everything you'd ever want to know about the, the whole Wing Commander universe, which is amazing, and a great manual which takes the form of a magazine called Claw Marks. 
which is full of great illustrations and humour, much like the Strike Commander manual by the same team that came after. Uh, Yeah, so this is all reminiscent of the good good old days when manuals were proper books that we'd sit down in our bedrooms and read, and uh, that really added to the atmosphere and the enjoyment of the games we were playing. So, yeah, despite Despite the uh, limitations and my lack of piloting skill, I really enjoyed playing Wing Commander and it did uh, spur me on to dig out some other space-based favourites. I did play like uh, X-Wing and TIE Fighter, which gave me the 3D polygons I was craving and uh, the shield and energy management that uh, I could have used in Wing Commander as well. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it and it's definitely got its place in DOS history for sure. Well, that's it for me. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, as it's my first message, I'd like to take the chance to say a quick thanks to Florian Martin for giving us this amazing and unique podcast. And uh, with all the social media, the forums and IRC, a great environment where we can all talk about the games that we love to play. So thanks again and see you next time. Bye. Wow. What a nice message. And in hindsight, we should have, li- I should have listened to the voice messages before asking Pix what's in the box. Yeah, he did a better job, didn't he? <laughs> uh, no, he didn't. Uh, but it was still really nice. Yeah. yeah. Very cool message. There's, there's, a, there's a fun little detail on that is that uh, with uh, Rob saying how many times he ejected is that actually if you go into the game and don't eject once so you save scum, you'll actually miss out on a medal because the first time you eject, you get a medal. Mm-hmm. Huh. Definitely. And uh, I mean, you're sort of into speed running, aren't you, Firefight? Yeah. Oh, uh, Esco, I mean, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure... Ejecting plays a big role in. Uh, uh, yeah, in, in I, I, I looked into it, and and the first the the first split on the world record was like eject eleven times. <laughs> yeah. And this was for the good ending, I think, as well. <laughs> so you have to eject to get back to the to your base ship, yeah. quicker or no? Yeah, no, the, no you, the mission is immediately over if you if you are in space and you eject. Well, that's it. Uh, then you're just okay, but. Yeah, right. So, so Great for speed running. But. Yeah, yeah. So, actually, what we should mention is is that this has a uh, sort of like uh, the mission system is set up so that you start at si- different systems, you play through the missions, and depending on how well you do, you either advance to one mission or a different mission, and then eventually you get down to whether you get the good ending or the bad ending, depending on how well you did. So the trick is is that actually, if you look at the mi- mission tree. Uh, if you uh, go through to a certain part and then s- succeed later when you failed before, then you actually get to the good en- uh, good ending side and then you can get to the uh, the good ending faster. Exactly. So you can just eject through uh, the the uh, the intermediate bits and then you can you can uh, uh, win uh, a few missions along the way. And you don't uh, apparently it's enough to do well within the the mission block so within the system block and not you don't actually have to complete uh, all the missions 100% which is quite uh innovative i think i mean i'm not sure if this was a really a common thing that you did not actually have to uh complete each level successfully yeah you you'd think you need to finish every level 100% to get the best ending right yeah at least, at least for 1990. Exactly. Well, yeah, I think a lot of the people who played it thought the same thing. So they sort of <laughs> dropped it a little bit in the sequels to a large extent because everyone just re- restored the game and played until they won each time. 
So right. you've got like half these missions and no one saw. <laughs> <laughs> because it actually branches into different miss- missions if you fail. So you get like, yeah, you get like sectors of space, basically. So it's, you do a few missions in each sector and then it would branch. Well, usually it would branch to a different sector, depending on whether you succeeded in that one or not every two or three missions. Wow. Yeah. Right. We've already started getting into the territory of story, right? Does anyone want to summarize the story? I don't. I don't know the full story. Does Richard know the full story? Um, there isn't. There isn't that much backstory, is there, to the first one? So basically, there's. It's something like six hundred years in the future, twenty six fifty four, I gather. So mankind's sort of run into this alien race of evolved cats, who are incredibly warlike, and they've been at war with them for ten years, I think, or something. By the time the game, maybe twenty years, by the time the game starts. And you're you're a rookie pilot arriving on the Tiger's Claw, which is a it's like it's like a carrier craft, like a like a aircraft carrier, I guess it's the equivalent of. Yeah, which is like your base for all these missions that you fly, trying to kick the Kalathi out of the sector. That's the story, really. I mean, it's just there's war, go fight. That's the whole story. Yeah, that is (laughs) that is pretty much it. Yeah. I have one question. When you fight a, a, a race of cats, why do you call your carrier ship the Tiger's Claw? Isn't that counterproductive? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> must, must have been great for morale. On the, on it's, the yeah, it, makes, it doesn't really make sense, does it? Uh, I, guess, I guess a tiger is a, is a big cat, so maybe like we're going to dominate the cats by... Showing up with an even bigger cat? Is is that Hmm. a thing? I don't know. It doesn't make any real sense. It does sound cool, though, Tiger's Yeah, it sounds super cool. But yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's it's basically the Klingon from from Star Trek, right? Except they're cats. That's really... pretty much. They sort of... I think they borrowed the idea a bit from... I can't remember the name of the author. Whoever it was who wrote Ringworld, they had a race of cats in that. So... I remember playing this to a couple of DOS adventure games. I remember playing them after I'd played Wing Commander and I thought they'd nick the idea. <laughs> but it's the other, other way around. Yeah. Feline races are pretty common in games, right? I mean, Master yeah. Orion has the Mershan, so... Yeah, but that was also after Wing Commander. Yeah, so. lots, lots, a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Master of Orion 1, 1992, something like that. I don't know, yeah. Didn't we have Kitty Cats and Nomad as well? I don't mm, remember definitely. very well. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, there were female cats. I think there were. Mm. So yet another note to a space game this year. How many space games have we had this year? We have Oi. done like half of <laughs> half of the games we've done are space games. It's insane. It's space game club. But there's there's no more space games this year. Don't worry. Well, the year is also all over. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, more space games. Yes. <laughs> um, well, maybe, I, maybe there, you know, in December we're going to play like skiing games, and maybe if there's like a ski jumping game, and we do too good, uh, <laughs> <laughs> skiing on the moon. If that's if there is a space skiing game, I want to play it. <laughs> Sidetracking pretty badly. I remember there's. I think it's possible in one of the DOS skiing games, like either Ski or Die or or something where you can actually do tricks where you end up in space. But yeah, oh, yeah I digress. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what's, what's sort of notable when talking about the story of Wing Commander is that um, we've talked about the cats quite a bit, but actually the cats don't really show up in the game at all. 
Um, I think it's only from Wing Commander 2 onward that they are really prominently shown in the cutscenes. Isn't that right, Richard? Yeah, this, this, well, there aren't that many, actually. The cutscenes, I mean, in the first Wing Commander, it's, everything's basically centered around the bar and the briefing room in the vast majority of the cutscenes. Then, like every five missions or so, you get like a sort of special cutscene showing, depending on whether you've succeeded or failed. Over those, I think they make a couple of appearances in those scenes, a couple of Arthur, but that's about it, yeah. Yeah, and even in those scenes, I, well, I, I had expected to to be more them be more prominently displayed, but they're actually sort of small in the background. They're not really shown as front and center as in the the, the other games. So yeah, I was kind of surprised just by the the lack of visible cats that's uh i think the the, mo- the most visible you get is when you're flying around and they start taunting you and you mm. get their little uh head shown up in your uh, display and in, in your uh, spaceship and that's yeah. basically the closest you get uh, yeah. the only cutscene i remember uh was is when they destroyed this research planet and you could just see them in spacesuit with spacesuits with guns mm. so it's not exactly the sa- the same thing as having them sort of really present in the story and yeah. and uh, you know ac- active visual players exactly and i guess with this branching mission structure and the different endings that also has a, an implication for the story hasn't it like there there the story can either go two ways really uh either with the humans successfully leading an attack on the Kilrathi High Command Starbase, I believe, mm-hmm. or the other way around that the Tiger Claw is forced to retreat out of the sector with the cats just winning. So I guess that's part of the story. I, I, I guess the story really evolves as the game goes on. I mean, what basically happens during the game, that is the story, really. Yeah, I think the, the 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 point is is sort of as we we mentioned before on about the branching story is if you do well in a sector you get some kind of positive outcome if you don't do well you get a negative outcome and then eventually that culminates in in the the ending where where uh, your mission is complete or you have to retreat. Yeah, exactly. Or you die, but that's a different thing. Yeah. And you can die a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, that's the story, Florian. Did you get the story? I think I got the story. Oh. Thanks. Thanks for summarizing it for someone who played only very little of the game. Oh. So, um, you already started talking a bit about the gameplay and that you would walk around in the bar and all. Um, shall we talk about what's going on on the Tiger's Claw and then after that, how the game is actually played? Like the, the real meat of the game? Mm. Well, what, what happens on the Tiger Claw stays on the Tiger Claw, right? <laughs> <laughs> And, and now in uh, in serious please. <laughs> I I think there's 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 three basically main gameplay elements in the Tiger's Claw. Uh, the 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 ones that I'd counted sort of there's the leaderboard, so where you can actually see how many missions you've flown and how many kills you have, and where you're up on the Tiger's Claw's uh, sort of ranking list. Uh, there's the mission briefing, which is. Uh, when you go and uh, start your missions in the mission briefing. And then there's the simulator where you can do simulated runs and, and try to get a high score. Those are sort of the main sort of story elements. In addition to there's a save load mechanism, uh, that's sort of the barracks. 
uh, that also has a, I think it's an airlock where you can exit to DOS. So mm-hmm. I think it has big warning signs on it. So if you, if you walk through the airlock, you jettison yourself in, back into DOS. <laughs> and then there's your locker where you can go check your metals. And then you can also check what your current system is. So you know sort of where you are in, in the mission hi- hierarchy. So how far you are, if you've ever actually looked at the missions before or you've kept track or something. And then in the bar itself where you get booted out after every mission, there's a couple, um, uh, other pilots that uh, are either are going to be or have been your wingmen, as well as the barkeep, which sort of talk to you and give small little hints on, on stuff. But that's pretty much it for the Tiger's Claw. But that is a lot, though. I yeah. mean, it's it's it feels like there's a lot going on to me on that station. Yeah, and I, I really like how they integrated like the menus, if, you, if we can call it menu, into um, the actual gameplay, right? So... When you save a game, you actually click on a barn in the barracks and then that's where your save game is. And then suddenly a pilot appears there sleeping. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's a very cool a lot thing. Of fun. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also something that has been copied many times afterwards. I remember playing a much newer game a couple of years ago, maybe Freelancer or something like that. That uh, did the same thing. I was, yeah. now I know where it's coming from. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, Freelancer is also sort of a Chris Roberts game. So. Hmm. Yeah. Sense, then. yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a very nice detail in, in sort of, instead of keeping track of save positions, you can just basically keep a track of your beds. Is that mm-hmm. how many beds you have full? And then you can name them, of course. So you, yeah. I have a save that's called ejected three times. I have a save <laughs> that's called ejected twice <laughs> and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun though. It's, uh, it's really cool. And also, I just want to say the way this game opens, had me kind of baffled. That's <laughs> yeah, because it's weird. It is kind of weird when you first start this game and you don't know what to expect. It's it's quite something. You at first it starts with this weird orchestra. I guess this is to well, this is just part of the logos and the credits and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's just to set the cinematic mood, maybe. Yeah, but it's a, it's kind of awkward because it's it's an orchestra that's tuning i think and then the yeah but they they had that in some of their other games as well so that's not really unique it's just more of a mm. yeah it's it's it's, it's it the origin effects logo there's all of that so that was like uh, the engine driving all the cutscenes. so they, yeah. they had it in quite a lot of origin games back then right so if, if you play martian dreams instead of it zooming in on the earth it's they've got mars instead when okay. it zooms over the orchestra so <laughs> that's cool well, I just I I think I've seen it before, but I I just wasn't really ready for this kind of intro. I don't know. I, I thought, well, okay, this is something. And then what happens immediately after? Well, first you get these bombastic credits, like sort of Star Wars, like with yellow big letters in space, with created by Chris Roberts and stuff like that. And and but once you're past that. You're immediately thrown into a space battle, but then five seconds later, it's also over because you're dead. And I thought, is this the game? <laughs> have I died? Should I have not died? Is that... <laughs> so that was kind of baffling. You can win that one, so don't worry. I cannot win that no. one. Win. <laughs> I can't either, for sure. I had no problem. I I think I made it like to the third on, on the leaderboard uh, 
wow. uh, when I just uh, retried the uh, the mission. Wow. When you retry. Oh, if you go back in, you, yeah, you can't. It just blows you up within yeah. like five seconds. That first that first one is insane. That, well, yeah. it's like, it's, yeah, I think the idea is like an in universe because you type in your high score name and call sign, don't you, immediately yeah. after. So it's like an in universe way of getting your name into the yeah. game yeah. without yeah. it looking like it's asking you. Exactly. That's exactly it. Although I was really baffled because I thought I had failed. I thought I had to restart this game, you know. Yeah. I just started it up and, and I was already failing. Maybe it's also a bit to intimidate you because you're the rookie on the ship. Mm. You're, you're new. You don't know the way your way around. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it does that. It does set the mood for that, yeah. yeah. I certainly went to my first actual battle very, very cautiously, I would say. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> because of that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you, you lose this battle, you enter your name, and then you step out of the simulator, and it turns out you're in this bar. So, I don't know, it, it's kind of a roller coaster of, of emotions, <laughs> those first two minutes. It's like, whoa, I was, there was an orchestra, and I was in space, and I'm in a bar now. What's, what's going on? Where am I? Yeah. I think it's, it's rather obvious that at, at that point is where you mouse over the simulator, and then you realize, oh, yeah, it yeah. was a simulator. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a uh, it grabs your attention right from the start. Certainly. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, uh, I think I, it's kind of weird that the exit to DOS, which is the door, the space lock, the airlock, it's not in the first screen. That's kind of weird because I I started the game and I was in this bar and I thought, oh, okay, this is the menu. Okay, I get it now. And then I thought, oh, there's no way to quit interesting but then when you progress oh the, the quit button is in the middle it's uh, if you if you never make it to the barrack to the barracks you can just shut down your computer i guess it stops <laughs> it doesn't have to save anything or whatever so your yeah. file system is just safe yeah that's fair enough so yeah uh, i think i think the real meat is is in the the mission hangar right where you get the briefing like the briefing room Mm-hmm. That's really where the game starts. I mean, all the stuff before is just sort of extra. But yeah, when you get the briefing, that's really when you start to pay attention. And, and well, then, then the stuff is relevant for what you'll be doing during the game. Because typically they explain your mission in... Um, there's t- typically a bunch of waypoints that you have to visit, I think, right? So yeah, it's basically just go to all the waypoints, destroy any enemies you encounter, maybe escort or protect some friendly ship, transport, something. Yeah, there, there are certainly escort missions. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if there are others as well. Yeah, yeah. there's escort missions, there's just patrols, so you have to go to each waypoint, and then there's uh, destroy capital ship as well, I think, as, as mm. one of the missions. And I guess patrol missions usually mean fight missions, right? You go to waypoints, and on the way there you fight cats yeah yeah and you can't don't forget flying through asteroid fields as well <laughs> can someone explain what's up with that oh god help <laughs> you explain it richard um well for some reason they've got the habit of they always show you the map don't they in the briefing and they have like a little circle where there's asteroids and they always seem to insist on you flying right through the middle <laughs> if you've ever noticed <laughs> 
But there's, there's at least one mission where um, I think it's the first escort mission that you can get where someone asks, hey, why do we take this big detour? And then your commander says, yeah, because you're escaping this transport ship and they can't fly through an asteroid field. Mm. Maybe your fighter can, but not yeah, this but transport ship. And, and, and you're thinking, I cannot, yeah. absolutely cannot <laughs> do this. <laughs> yeah, it, it ultimately, it's not that hard if you slow down and, and do it that way. But the, the the trick, of course, is with gameplay is, is that you don't actually have to follow the waypoints uh, religiously. So you can either go around by flying around them or then go to a different waypoint and then go to uh, the uh, the one that you're actually going to. But that's more sort of into the into the real gameplay uh, element after you get your mission. And I guess that means you need to have so much knowledge about the layout of the area that you can actually avoid the asteroid field. Oh, that's that's not a problem. You can enter the navigation map inside uh, the flight mode. Yeah. So you can easily just look at it. Okay, asteroids are over there, and then it'll show you where you are in comparison to everything else. Yeah. All right. I guess I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of essential. <laughs> uh, makes sense now. Explains a lot of problems ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't. You don't have to go into the map. Because you basically just auto, as soon as you launch, you basically just got an autopilot, haven't you? So you yeah. just press that, and that best flies you in a straight line to whatever point you've selected on the map, or it'll just navigate you around automatically if you don't go into the map. Mm, definitely. So in theory, in an asteroid field, if you just sort of fly a little bit to the side and then autopilot, then you can avoid them. Yeah, and also if you if you rely heavily on the autopilot, which I think most players do, yeah, definitely. then then it just really um, it comes down to the combat, doesn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of. It's kind of. A, it's almost an evolution of the likes of Space Invaders. I always think with Wing Commander, you've practically oh. got waves of ships coming in. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's described as a simulator, but there's there's elements of that. But it's it's more of an arcade game to me. Hmm. Definitely. It's very much predetermined uh, on what ships you're getting at at what point. And then even if uh, one of the uh, enemy ships escapes, then you go back to the point, they'll still be there mm. because they're sort of programmed to to hang around at that point, even though they've flown off in the middle of the battle. Mm. Yeah. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned is that when you're briefed for the mission, you also get assigned a wingman. That's kind of weird, right? Um, the the kind of wingman that you get because you're the rookie on the ship, and they assign um, like an elite veteran pilot to be your wingman, and yeah. you do the commands, and then you get them killed. And I don't know. I ne- I didn't manage to kill a wingman during my playthrough. Well, well I did. <laughs> <laughs> is that? I wonder. Is is that standard Air Force practice? There's a, some excuse, isn't there, in the first briefing that they're gonna assign the rookies as wing leaders, but then they just sort of carry yeah. on with it and just ignore that yeah. fact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they explained that it's some part of the training or yeah. something. That oh we we don't we want to see your skills or something like that. Yeah. It's just too too much effort for the veterans, so they just give it to the newbies, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> but the the fun thing is is that some of the wingmen actually do have different uh, uh sort of you could call it AI, but it's not really AI. It's just a different way of of programming uh, their combat. Mm. In that, for example, Maniac will automatically engage any and all enemies that you run across, and the others might actually stick to whatever you're doing instead. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Maniac is the one I got killed, by the way. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> good for well, you. He, he really killed himself. To be fair, I mean, I was just sticking to the mission, and then. 
yeah, I don't know. He just flew off and killed himself. And I... Yeah, I, think, I think he's the worst pilot. I don't think, you don't get to fly with him unless you're on the losing path, if I remember right, in the first game. But, hmm. I don't remember. I, I was under the impression I was winning, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely on the losing side at, le- at uh, some point, but I got I got assigned Maniac for that system. and Yeah. It was... Uh, a lot of fun when because you can give your wingman commands and I didn't have to give him any command to engage no. the enemy. It's sort of like okay, you're gone. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. So um, now that we're talking about combat, um, how how does combat work in the game? Is it different from any other flight simulation, or what? What kind of ships do you get? What kind of weapons are there? How does it all work? It's it's really quite straightforward. I think. I think Richard said it well when he said it's really more of an arcade game. I, I played this game with my uh, PlayStation 4 controller, mm, which surprisingly worked just without any hassle. I, uh, I was ready for some configuring hell, but no, it just worked, plugged it in, was fine. Uh, but yeah, if you're playing it with with a joystick, I think it's really quite straightforward. It's really just a matter of pointing your gun to the enemy and then pressing the button for fire. That's really what it comes down to. There's some uh, allocations for distance and uh, and missiles as well as guns, but mm. basic basically the the thing is is you fly at certain speed and then. Uh, you can do various things, flying slower or faster, or using your afterburns, and then point, uh, point gun at enemy, press fire. Yeah, that's really it. Yeah, there's some some of the tricks you can do with afterburners. I don't know if anyone noticed that you sort of shot sort of veer off to the side if you're going at afterburner speed. Huh. You let off the afterburner, so you can sort of go in at the side, and the sort of shots will sort of echo towards the enemy without them actually flying right at you. Okay. Yeah. It's a bit a bit hard to describe. If I remember my manual for Wing Commander Academy, it actually lists this as a tactic. Hmm. I think uh, in the man- of course Academy is a much later game, obviously because it's sort of a spinoff on on the main one. But but I think this lists as a, as a tactic is that this is how you can shoot at the side of the ship by doing this afterburner turn. Yeah, sounds like advanced Wing Commander <laughs> strategy. I had no idea. But yeah, other than that. You can sort of you can sort of tail ships in it some mm. of the time. If when you get against the better pilots, it does tend to sort of end up with them, you fly at them and they fly at you, and you try and shoot each other and yeah, go past, turn around. That's exactly what I did. Um, you can actually you can you can configure your guns a little bit, at least on some ships, uh, because on some ships you can you can combine all of your guns, I think, into yes. one. So yeah, so you've got like yeah, you've got like a, pre, a sort of maximum amount of power which sort of slowly recharges. So you can sort of use all your guns and it'll drain really quick, but you do more damage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think some of the some of the guns are sort of in theory they're better at shorter range and longer range. I think that's part of the tactics. Hmm. I, I don't know about you. Some of the guns in this first game they're really far apart. So you're trying to shoot at something that's right in front of you, and you sort of end up shooting both sides of it. If you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I think I remember that this is of course not probably my memory is not from Wing Commander itself, but I remember you were you were able to f- fire your guns so that they went over the wing of mm. the opposing uh, craft. So you sort of had to square yourself off a bit better. Yeah, 
It also just g- generally gets a bit weird when you when you get quite close uh, because it's all sprites, it's all bitmaps, and then when you get close to something, it just zooms in, and and the whole screen is just three pixels, and you don't really know what's going on and how close you are and what direction is what. But you, there's collision as well. Yeah, there is. Which, which of course, why the asteroid fields are complete garbage. <laughs> <laughs> because you'll have this huge asteroid coming towards you. You don't know how you can avoid it turning left, right. You hit it anyway. Yeah. And so uh, there's collision between the the crafts themselves, and and uh, you can basically kill the opponent and yourself with a collision. So. Yeah, that's. Well, as Richard described, there's this there's this dance you typically do where, where where they're coming towards you and you come towards them, and I I just found myself sometimes colliding with them, sometimes even unintentional. Just <laughs> that's just how it happened, and I yeah, so kind of awkward, but also kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> I I think what doesn't help is is your uh, your big grief, Florian, is that the game runs at. Well, what is it? 10 frames per second, something like that? Yeah, and there's nothing you can do about it. But no. <laughs> let's talk about that in the text section, I guess. Okay. Yeah. You you mentioned you can bump into other ships. Um, I remember in one briefing, I've been told that there's this, uh, I'll get this new ship and it's, it's sturdier than the other one. And then these pilots talk about whether uh, it was a great ship or if, if you need a lighter one and, and being quick and, and all of that. That is adv- advantageous. But do those ships actually differ in in armor, or is that just something I talk about? Because I didn't really mention um, notice a real difference. I think there are, there are definitely differences in fire. I mean, you notice the firepower more than it's more than the armor. I think one of them's got like really good shields and the armor. I think on the rapier, there, there's definitely differences, but they're much more pronounced when you get to the sequels. I found. There's a significantly different weapon layouts uh, in uh, some of the ships. I yeah. honestly, you probably won't notice that much your your powered up shields or powered up armor in comparison to uh, the earlier crafts, because then you're up against better Kilrathi ships. Anyways, you just notice that the basic Drothi ship that is uh, the Kilrathi have is sort of easier to get to, but it's it's sort of all all the same. I mean. The, what uh, Tyne said, uh, Martine said about the uh, combining the weapons is is a great thing. And then, mm. of course, uh, because there are missiles as well as as guns, as you might end up with uh, missiles that actually track instead of fire and forget. Mm. So yeah. the, there's missiles that say something FF, and the FF is just fire and forget, and <laughs> or IR is the infrared lock on, or. There's torpedoes as well, which are great against capital ships, but you sort of have to penetrate their shields before firing them. And all kinds of different tactics and and stuff that you use when you actually sort of play the game. And you can use missiles to more quickly kill the enemy ships, but they're very limited in supply. You maybe get three of them or four of them. And Mm. once you've shot all of them off, then it's gone. Or if you... uh, have to if you have to get a lock on for some of the missiles and you uh, your lock on system is damaged and you don't get a lock on then you can't use them it's very very much is that uh, the first 5 minutes of well not the first 40 seconds of combat will dictate how well you do in the mission basically <laughs> <laughs> well you can, you can lose all those systems that's really a, a like a big deal right i mean 
you can just lose your guns. You can lose your your ability to recharge your shield. If that happens during one of the first fights, then, well, that mission is basically done. Because there's no way you can successfully complete it then. Yeah, yeah it, can, it can be an advantage on some of those. When you, if you lose all the guns on one side, you can sort of just concentrate on the other and you've got, <laughs> you only use half as much power. It can actually be an advantage. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> you can hit with every shot instead of half of them missing all the time. Mm, right. Okay. Well, that's something. I also found that they explained to you that you should save your missiles for the larger ships uh, during one of the missions. The, yeah, the, the that's, guy... not, that's not no, really true, though, is no, it? No, that's practice? not true at all. And I was saving my missiles <laughs> and failing horribly. <laughs> and then eventually I went on to YouTube to look up how to do a certain mission. And the guy was just firing all his missiles at the tiny fighters. And I, I was thinking, what are, you, what are you doing? You should save them. But that's... That's just not how you play this game at all. Because uh, it says you should save them for the larger ships, but actually taking out the larger ships is is really easy if you just go behind them. And then you can just fire your guns at their engines and it takes only a couple of shots, really. Yeah, so it's also like the one thing your wingmen are really good at is taking out the capital ships in this. Right, yeah. Because they don't move too much, so they can actually hit them, I guess, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah there were uh, when you complete a mission and you're back at the at the tiger's claw uh, there's this there's this uh debrief right where the where the guy the commander he goes over how many kills you did versus how many your wingman did and i can't believe how many missions my wingman just got zero just nothing yeah, because just, you were too good you didn't leave any mm, for them yeah. well i definitely was not <laughs> Well, I think one of the missions I played, I went 1-6 against my wingman's wingman. It's just the wingman got all the kills. I did all the damage. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the worst. Uh, kill stealing. That's the worst. Ah, uh, I remember playing like a Quake mod uh, many years ago that, that was called Decimal or something. So you were awarded points for the damage that you did, not for the kills. That was That's very fair. Yeah. A fair mod, yes. Very good. Yeah. Well, this game just... <laughs> Kills or nothing. There's not really that many guns or missiles or even ships. I mean, I didn't really know how many there were when I was playing it. But I got the impression there were quite a lot because it, the, the game makes a big deal out of introducing a new ship. They go, oh, you get access to the rapier now. Oh, it's such a great ship. And I was thinking, oh, there, there must be quite a lot of ships. But actually, there's only four, right? Yeah. And, and they're basically just small to large. Is that it? Or is it, is it firepower that really distinguishes them? I think it's firepower and maximum speed. Uh, mm. They're they're all in the blueprints that come with the game, aren't they, Richard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's uh, it's like fire pattern as well. Like the I think the scimitar. It's like the heavy slow one in theory. That's got like three mass drivers. So I think that's probably one of the easiest ones to actually hit with, in my experience. Uh, you make a big fuss about the rapier, and I always struggled more when I get to those missions. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember being particularly good with either of them. But what is kind of cool, though, is when you return to the Tiger's Claw, if you got a lot of damage, then it will show the damage in the cutscene. Yeah, if your ship sort of just pops up with the, the technician and they'll sort of remark on it, don't they, depending on how you've done. Exactly. Also, the thing that you didn't mention is that when you actually end, you actually have to fly into the docking bay of the Tiger's Claw. 
Mm. It's it's not just okay. You arrived at the the uh, final mission waypoint for the Tiger's Claw, and then you're automatically taken in. Yeah, good point. You even have to radio in for uh, permission to land, right? Yeah, you do. So that's cool. It took me a while to figure out what to aim for, though. I mean. Yeah, it's a bit odd in there. When we say fly into the docking bay, it's, it doesn't quite work like that one. Is that this sprite that you've got to fly around, does it? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I, when, when I started, I didn't even know what way this thing was pointing. Like, is it pointing up? Is it point, well, like how, what's the layout? Yeah. I thought it was a station and I thought it was more like Deep Space Nine, you know? So it's like a, a tower and it, it's not, it's not that at all. It's, it's more like a, it's just a big ship, really. So, and you have to fly into the front. I think spaceships have to be aerodynamic. Yeah. Well, I guess sort of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you mentioned uh, right when you return to the ship, and this technician tells you um, the status of your ship and how well you did. Mm. I really felt bad when I came back with with lots of bullet holes in my ship the first time. He was like, "Oh, you took quite a lot of." Pain. I was like, "Oh, yeah, sorry." <laughs> Sorry. I know you have a long night in front of you well, repairing all the you damage fix it and yeah. <laughs> well, you you get much more grief when you you eject on the the first time you're sort of sorry, you get you get like a medal and uh you know, you're you said that please don't do that again. The next time is that you ejected a ship and you wasted a, a craft that cost millions of credits. Don't yeah. do it again and then you please. do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get the same same message again. It's sort of like you broke it, and now we have to buy a new one. And right. You broke it, and now we have to buy a new one. And gee, thanks. Reminded me a lot of many of the scenes in the new Battlestar Galactica series. Whenever they returned with their vipers, <laughs> the chief yeah. was like, "Oh, what have you done to my beautiful viper?" <laughs> exactly. It's really much. It's it's really like that. It seems seems to be a space combat meme, really. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think we've covered quite a lot. Of the gameplay, to be honest, Florian. Yeah. Does Does anyone want to add something, or shall we go on? Because the next part is my favorite part, because I assume Martin has prepared another one of his development lectures. <laughs> well, I have I have done some research, but it's like twenty pages in the document. It's It's just. I, I was just writing down bullet points as I was reading about things. But I hope Richard and, and Esco also can back me up or or just add things because I, I'm really not that familiar with all of these people and things. But, um, well, we already mentioned that the game was developed by Origin Systems, I think, which was the studio founded by Richard Garriott in 1983 after he quit working with Sierra. Um, I think Ultima 3 was, was his first, uh, game from the origin, uh, origin, <laughs> from the origin, uh, studio. Um, and we, we discussed this a bit in the Ultima 7 episode, didn't we? So I don't know what episode that was exactly. It was episode 38, December, 2019. Yeah. John, John mentioned it in his message. Yeah. You should remember this. Sorry. <laughs> But uh, if you want to know more about how uh, all that came to be, then I suggest you just go back to that episode because, uh, well, it's, there's no point in, uh, in in reiterating the whole thing. But Richard Garriott wasn't really involved with Wing Commander at all, as far as I know. Um, the the team, well, I looked up the team on Moby Games. Um, it's 
Well, I would say it's a small team for, for today's standards, but I think for 1990, it's it's quite substantial, really. Oh, it, is. it was huge. I thought, well, just, there's an argument for this being the first triple-high game, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I can see that because it's it's seven programmers, five artists, three sound people, a producer, separate people for the for the writing, for the manuals, doing quality assurance. I mean, if you look at these credits now, you could think, well, this is just, you know, could, it could even be some indie game or something even. Small but, indie game. Almost. Well, I mean, it's not the smallest <laughs> team ever, no. but it's also not, uh, I mean, it's not like the big games are produced now, are they? I mean, certainly not. I don't, Last game I, I finished, rem- I think the credits scrolled for like 20 minutes and mentioned the name uh, Kojima 30 times at least. <laughs> Exactly. I remember watching the credits of uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and they went on, I think there were a thousand people on that list. It, it just went on for half an hour or something. So yeah, compared to that, this this is really tiny. But for 1990, this was really impressive, I think. Yeah, I, g- I gather it cost about a million dollars at the time, which was, I think that was unprecedented. Mm. But it did, apparently didn't make it, it cost that much. It didn't actually make its money back, allegedly, despite really, really good sales. Which is why they did all the mission packs. Mm. It's quite remarkable they they made so many sequels then. Well, the thing is, is of course, I think a lot of the work was probably engine work in Mm. the end, is that then they took the engine and ran with it. Right, yeah. So Then Wing Wing Commander 2, and then Wing Commander Academy, Wing Commander Privateer, uh, Strike Commander. I think it's all sort of the same uh, engine, isn't it? Probably Wing Commander 3 is already a different thing because that's a completely different animal. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Strike Commander is a little bit different too. Yeah, it was 3D. Yeah, actually, so. like yeah. Polygons. Yeah, but still some foundational work was no doubt done on this. Some notable people are George Alistair Sanger, which we've mentioned before on the seventh guest episode, I think. Because yes, I, I was there. I know. Exactly. Uh, also known as the Fat Man. He did yep. the music for, I think, like 150 games or something. So, uh, yeah, this is one of them. I mean, he, he's a legendary MIDI composer. Mm. So he, he would have taken, he would have either composed music or then he would have taken music and, and put it into MIDI format. Right. Yeah. He also designed patches and stuff. So he, he could take uh, classical classical music and make it into a MIDI format right. so that it could play out. So. so. He's, he he was and probably still is one of the legendary DOS era composers and and music men. Yeah, so so maybe it's fun to listen to some music later on, uh, actually, because it's it's uh, quite cool. It's all orchestral soundtrack. So uh, yeah, he was involved among some other people. Uh, they actually had three people for for music and sound, which is that's is a, a lot. lot. Yeah, for for nineteen ninety, that's a lot. Um, the game was produced by Warren Spector. That's also a name that. Um, pops up in later gaming history. <laughs> yeah, he's obviously the guy who also was involved with System Shock, but also with um, Deus Ex is, I guess, the, the big one. Uh, the Thief games, I think he was also... Yeah, he, he was with. talked about on the System Shock episode, which was... Exactly. Uh, I'm trying to say March, but I think it was April this year. Mm. Yeah, 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 you're right. April. So uh, yeah, I think he was—he just worked at Origin, so he was just like the regular producer. 
name I think we should mention before diving into Chris Roberts himself, who is like the main guy for this whole Wing Commander franchise. Um, but his brother, uh, Aaron Roberts, was also involved with, I think, some design work, maybe some programming as well. I'm not sure. He, uh, Aaron also made later Wing Commander games. I think he was in, I, I'm not sure which ones exactly, but... I think he did Privateer 2, didn't he? Right. Yeah, see, he, he was, I think he, he just was the lead guy on some of the Wing Commander games while Chris was doing other things. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of fun. But, um, well, Chris Roberts is is the, uh, yeah, I don't know what his role really, I, he's credited as lead design. I think maybe director would even be a suitable title. Well, for the, well, for the first game, I think initially it was like him and one artist, Dennis Lube, who was hmm. sort of got a prototype together. Right. So I think there's like some 10,000 line bit of assembly code that's doing all the sprite handling that Chris <laughs> Roberts wrote by, all by hand. Okay. So yeah, he was definitely involved in programming, not just design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. Because actually he um, he grew up as a as a programmer. It's uh, It's kind of interesting because... Obviously, uh, Origin Systems was founded by Richard Garriott, who is uh, a British-American or an American Brit. Uh, he was born in the UK, grew up in the USA. So he's, he's got both sides of the ocean in him. But Chris Roberts is exa- exactly the same, except it's the other way around. He was actually born in uh, America, but grew up in Manchester in the UK. So that's kind of a weird coincidence. Um Eventually, as a teenager, he had a BBC Micro on which he programmed several games, which I think is a very UK system, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it, it was. I mean, it was actually it was designed for a TV program over so as a sort of learning aid, specifically for this BBC TV program. Yeah. So uh, there's no way he would have had a BBC Micro if if he hadn't moved to the UK as a kid, I guess. So yeah, that's kind of fun. Made a bunch of games. Uh, I don't know if any of these are noteworthy, but uh, apparently some are called Strikers Run, Wizardor, and a game called King Kong. Yeah. So, uh, I've played that King Kong one. Was that, it's actually a typing. That was his first game. Huh. So if anyone really wants to see the start to where he started, is you can see all his code. I think it's okay. in some BBC Micro user it was. And oh, a few, that's fun. There's a few issues later down the line where there's some guy critiquing all his code and saying what he should have done. <laughs> <laughs> but that's still fun. That that's gee, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess this does prove that he is really a programmer at heart and not just uh, yeah, a game it, designer. It was probably like eleven or twelve when when sure. he was doing that. So. Sure, but, but, yeah, but still, yeah, I think you see this often with this older games, right? That the the designer is also a programmer. That that doesn't seem to be as much a thing now, but I think it was really common in the olden days. He, Chris Roberts eventually returned to nine uh, to the USA in 1986, working for Origin Systems. Obviously, um, he worked on a bunch of action RPGs. Uh, Times of Lore is one, and the other is called Bad Blood. Uh, I have not played any of these. I, I'm not sure if if any of you have, but. I, I couldn't tell you if they're any good. Although they must have been at least a little bit good because Times of Lore um, had this user interface that was later also integrated into Ultima, I think. Yeah, I've I played them both. It's, they don't, 
I don't remember bad blood massively well, to be honest. It's been a long time. <laughs> but it was, in terms of law, it's, it was basically targeted at the C64. It's very much an action RPG. Mm. So there's not that much RPGing in it, really. It's more right. of a sort of running around on a map trying to avoid combat, mm. picking up the odd item. Right. It's 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 a it's a decent game, but nothing nothing fantastic. But the ult- the Ultima games at the time basically had a different key for like every single action. So the the bit they took into that was he basically had a use key instead. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I think I think it it did influence the Ultima series somewhat. Uh, these games, but obviously, I mean the the real deal was Wing Commander. Um, which is really quite a departure from all the RPG stuff that Origin was doing. I'm not sure how the process of making such a game came to be. I don't know if you know more about this, Richard, but... Uh, not a huge amount. I think maybe initially it was, it was working on time, it was Times of Law 2 it was going to be rather than Bad Blood. And I think Origin got a bit shaky about having too many sort of fantasy RPGs at the same hmm. time with Ultima as well. Right. So that got dropped and turned into the sci-fi, adapted to the sci-fi theme that was going to become Bad Blood. And I think at the t- around then he sort of was tinkering with this squ- squadron thing in his, that was going to become Wing Commander in his spare time. I think he negotiated a contract to do both at once and then sort of gradually dropped out of Bad Blood and just worked <laughs> on Wing Commander. <laughs> That's cool. It's it's really also, I mean, 1990 is is like the the what's the word? There was a whole surge of science fiction stuff coming out. I think it, it started with, well, it, it obviously started with Star Wars back in the 70s, but in the 80s there wasn't any more Star Wars films coming out. But then the Star Trek series was rebooted. The Next Generation was in the late 80s. And I think this spawned a whole hype of sci-fi stuff on TV, but novels as well. So I think this game is sort of in that pocket of science fiction drama stuff, which was quite huge, I think. I just remember a lot of 90s sci-fi being on TV with Babylon 5 and Stargate and whatnot. And, well, it feels like this game is sort of part of that. In a way, yeah, you're right. The, the 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 game was going to be called Squadron at first, and then later they figured maybe to call it Wing Leader. There's in fact a 1990 uh, press release article in a in some magazine, uh, which which actually still calls it Wing Leader. So, yeah, it was eventually renamed to Wing Commander, but I'm not sure what. I mean, Wing Leader would have been a fine title as well, I guess. Even Squadron is not that bad a title so i don't know what the problem was with these titles but they did want to make a whole commander series i i remember this from the strike commander episode that ben told us that actually the plan was to have all sorts of commander games like wing commander strike commander other commander games but this never really took off so yeah so that's chris roberts at origin making wing commander it's um I think I think you said Richard that it w- it wasn't a massive hit, although it sort of was because it did sell. But well, I think it was, I think it was a massive hit, but it cost so much right. that because manufacturing costs us 
All these wonderful blueprints and things are all very nice, but they cost money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, because I do, I, I do remember reading that it was one of Origin's most successful games. Yeah, it was just yeah, it was a massive hit. Right. But I don't think anyone spent a million pounds on a PC <laughs> game back in 1990 <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, exactly. I, I have written down here, but it's sort of a side story. But I, I think a lot of people know the, the, the memory manager error thing, right? Uh, I think it was mentioned in, in a book one of the programmers uh, wrote. Ken Demarest, is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure. But I, I think he published a book at one point where he, he wrote down this story that they were going to ship the game but there was a bug in the memory manager. And if you quit the game, then the memory manager would spurt out some error on the screen, which which looked kind of horrible. Yeah. Uh, and they were really pressed for time. So, <laughs> but uh, you know the story, I think, Florian. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> things like that amuse me. So um, the error message was um, basically in the memory manager, f- uh, or one of the memory um, expanded memory drivers for DOS at the time, EMM386, which basically allows to use more than the 640k memory that um, the PC could easily address in days before the 386. But obviously, a 386 can use way more memory, and so even 16-bit programs, which are usually limited to the slower uh, 640k, they kind of wanted a way to address more memory than just those 640k and make use of all the memory available in the system. And so I guess it was Microsoft came up with this driver that basically just mapped parts of the memory beyond the 640k into a smaller area just above those 640k in the um, upper memory block, which another famous retro gaming podcast is named after. And apparently there was a bug in the game that caused um, the MM386 memory manager to uh, output an error message when the game quit shut down. So what they did was pretty brilliant in my eyes. Uh, and they, they just changed the error message from... Um, so so they, they got this, this memory manager in the binary form and what they did was just open the hex editor and change the contents of the error message so that it wouldn't say anymore EMM386 memory error blah 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 but instead made it uh, say thank you for playing Wing Commander. <laughs> so the game crashes, but you never know because the error message is thanking you for playing. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I read on Wikipedia, but I don't have a source for this other, but uh, in, on Wikipedia it says that actually this, this hex-edited fix never made it into the actual release. Oh, really? So Because... Yeah, I'm not sure if this is true. I, I mean, I, I couldn't find a source or anything. I'd trust Ken on that. Yeah. I mean, he wrote the code. Uh, well, I, I think they did do this fix, but then they had to fix another bug, and there was actually time to oh. solve it for real. Oh, that one's new So it, it, it wasn't actually needed in the version that was uh, in the boxed copy. Although I, I, I'm not sure. Does it actually say thank you for playing Wing Commander when you quit it? Because I only played the, the GOG version, and it doesn't say that. Well, I don't remember it saying it, but there's probably different versions out there, even if you've got a boxed copy. Yeah. There might also be if they released a patch later on in the modern versions that you have, because they in- include the secret missions. Mm. So if that included the patch, yeah. for example, that, that fixed it, then, then uh, it would just uh, go away. Exactly. 
Yes, I actually, I did have to get a patch for the back version I had, actually, now you mention it, because there's some bug where there's some memory overflow and it starts killing off your, your co-pilot. Oh. <laughs> Which is That's really great. helpful, yeah. Let's, let's do something new and ask our 17 million regular listeners, um, <laughs> if any one of you played the game back then and you actually remember seeing this message, let us know, please. Yeah. Well, even if even if you see the the, the message, it's not uh, guaranteed no. that this is. But yeah, it's more evidence. Yeah, yeah. It's more evidence. Okay, okay, that's true. Anyway, uh, it's a fun story, regardless. And uh, they did they did solve the, the 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 bug this way. They just well, they needed more time anyway, and they fixed it for real. That's that's the story I read anyway. Yeah, that's that's Wing Commander 1, but that's not where the franchise ends at all. <laughs> I mean, this franchise is absolutely huge, and, and so is Chris Roberts' career, because it's sort of tied in together. Because it was such a big hit, they immediately started to work on Wing Commander 2, although I don't think Chris himself was as involved with that, because he was working on Strike Commander, which was, in his mind, the big thing. Um we discussed this in, in episode five uh, of, of Dos Game Club, which is a really early one. A fun one, though, with Ben Lesnick on, who uh, operates the WC News website, which has a ton of content on, on Wing Commander. So, uh, it's Wing yeah, Commander it's, news, not, not the water closet news. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Strike Commander was what, what, what had him occupied for a long time. But then eventually he did work on some of the other Wing Commander games. Uh, I think he had a role in Privateer. I think he worked on Wing Commander 3, uh, of course, which had all the full motion videos, right? It, it, it basically is a movie in a way, the Wing Commander. I think on YouTube you can look up all the cutscenes edited together as one long film so yeah there's, there's some, that was that was released on the wc news website i'm sure it's on there somewhere if you if you want to, anyone wants to download it mm. i think it's on youtube as well that's where i saw it anyway but yeah it's really it's really something i mean it's all it's it, it doesn't it even have mark hamill in it from star wars yeah, it's, yes, got, it does. it's got him and who else? It's got the guy who plays out of Indiana Jones. What's he called? John Rhys Davis. Okay. And Malcolm McDowell out of Clockwork Orange and Star Trek Seven, I guess it was. Wow. So it's oh Ginger Ginger Lynn Allen, of course, as well. Out of some films we won't mention. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess this is where Chris Roberts got his taste for making films because, yeah, in a way, Wing Commander is. Well, this was really quite something. Wing Commander 3 came out in 94, I think. It was not that common. Yeah, end of the year 1994. Yeah, it was not that common then to do these full motion videos. So, Well, especially on this scale. I think, it's pretty, I think Wing Commander's got sort of history of being the most expensive game ever at the time. Some of, some of these <laughs> came out. Yeah. So they took it to, to real extremes. Wing Commander 4, I think Chris Roberts basically just did, directed the movie side and left the game to everyone else. Right, yeah. Yeah, he was really involved with films later on as well. I, I came across a, a little article in Next Generation magazine uh, from 95, where he was listed as one of the 75 most important people in the game industry. So, yeah, Chris Roberts was really making a name for himself in the mid-90s. And as you said, Richard, uh, after after the whole origin thing, 
he he focused on a feature film in 99 just yeah the wing commander feature film i'm well i i think you watched it i i i maybe you've all watched it but i i remember esco saying he watched it yeah i i, I watched it probably around that time and yeah we had it on vhs and it, it was it was not that great <laughs> no I mean, I I remember stories that that said is that Wing Commander three was a better movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has any movie adaptation of a game, or yeah, has has anyone ever been successful? Yes, th- there have been plenty of successful sort of movie ad- oh, adaptations. Right. Uh, but, um, Tomb Raider, for example, I guess. Yeah. Well, there's there's the the uh, uh, cult classic of Street Fighter. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, this the, we we need to just do a to, uh, a uh, DOS DOS game movies podcast episode mm. at some point. But <laughs> don't give us ideas. <laughs> yeah, but but they're they're def- definitely. I mean, the problem is is that you try to bring it to a feature film of something that you're not directly involved in, like with the Wing Commander story when you're actually flying these missions. So mm. it just can't go very well. Mm. I, I gather Chris wasn't really able to make the film he wanted to make as of production control taking things out of his hands. So mm. there's, there's actually, there is a series of novels based on the, well, the first one's based on the film and then there's two sequels to that. So if anyone wants to hunt out what it should have been like. Okay. But so, he still had a $30 million budget though, so... I mean, you'd think you can make something with that, but eh, yeah, eh. it has a score of ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's something. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it has a meta score of twenty-one on Metacritic. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, okay, that's the film. I think the film was actually produced from his uh, second studio because at one point he left Origin. Uh, I I think after Wing Commander 4, maybe after 3, I'm not exactly sure. But he founded a new thing called Digital Anvil, basically to make both films and games. Uh, So yeah, Wing Commander, the feature film, was one of the first projects he did with Digital Anvil. But then they made a bunch of games as well. Star Lancer is one. And uh, Freelancer, the one you mentioned earlier, Florian, is also a game produced by Digital Anvil. So. Yeah, this is Chris Roberts' studio for a while in the mid-2000s, or the early 2000s, really. Although it was quickly bought by Microsoft. Microsoft bought the studio, I think, in 2000 or in 2001, and then immediately sold two of their projects off to Ubisoft, which was an interesting move. So they had a game in production called Conquest Frontier Wars and also a game called Loose Cannon. Uh, but yeah, those those games were now sold off to Ubisoft, uh, and and Freelancer was the big thing they they focused on. There were a lot of delays. I think the game was supposed to come out in two thousand one, but it eventually was it it was released in two thousand three. And by that time, Chris Roberts had already left Digital Anvil because I don't think he was too happy with the whole Microsoft acquisition. Uh, I don't know. I think. I think he was just rather doing things for himself at that point and, and didn't want all the control that came with this large corporation taking over. 
Although he actually did serve as a consultant for a while for Freelancer. So he was still sort of involved. He founded another studio focusing on games and films called Point of No Return Entertainment. And there's actually not a single project they produced ever. So, yeah, the whole company was founded again before they, yeah, just nothing materialized from that studio. Um, They were going to do a TV series as well, I think. But, yeah, it just, it was plans and, and nothing more than that. Um, The next thing was sort of dodgy. It was Ascendant Pictures, founded in 2002. And he was really going deep into the Hollywood film now because he was producing films. He made a whole bunch as a producer. List here, Edison, Timber Falls, Outlander, Who's Your Caddy, The Big White, Ask the Dust, Lucky Number 11, and Lord of War. I only know those last two ones. I don't know. If any of you saw any of the other ones, I've seen Outland. Out, Outland is sort of fun. Hmm. I think. I think that's well. I think Ben said that that was his best out of the lot. But I haven't actually seen any of the others. <laughs> uh, I, I quite like Lord of War, and and I think Lucky Number Eleven is also. I, well, I don't remember too much about it. But I, I, remember I remember enjoying it. Lucky Number Eleven. So yeah, so or seven if it's actually you sort of look at it. But yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, he only acted as a producer for those films. I'm not sure how much he was involved in actually like the contents of the films, but well, they were produced through his company, um, which apparently, well, uh, the story I read is that he abused some loophole in German tax law to fund his projects, which sounds really dodgy. Oh, that's that's normal in the film industry. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that. maybe it's I don't know. But then the the loophole was closed in two thousand six, and that basically cut off all the funding he had. So then production stopped, and he was actually sued by Kevin Costner because he was still in the works for something they were not able to release, and it all got messy with. So yeah, this sounds like a lot of drama for a guy making games on a BBC Micro. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess the last chapter of R- Chris Roberts is, of course, uh, Cloud Imperium Games, right? Which is the thing he's currently involved with. Uh, in 2011, he, he he founded that company, um, focusing on games again rather than films. And, well, I, I guess most people know they had this massively successful crowdfunding campaign. I think it first started in, in 2012. I read that they started in October 2012, and then a month later in November, they had already received $6 million. And a year later, it was actually $23 million. And, well, apparently over the years, he's raised over $300 million. So, yeah. I don't know a lot about game budgeting, but that seems enough to make a game. 300 million in nations and another 60 million from investors. Yeah, that's crazy. Usually, 60 million usually sounds like an awful lot of money. Yeah. It's just dwarfed by those 300 millions. It's insane. So, yeah, he's sitting on a giant pile of money, I guess. Probably due to Um, Wing Commander, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. This is the whole the whole crowdfunding was basically the Wing Commander guy making games again, uh, and a space game, of course. I mean, it's uh, Star Citizen, it's called, which is 
Well, I'm not sure how much this really has to do with Wing Commander. Um, it's not in the Wing Commander universe or anything, right? It's, it's got Mark Hamill in again. Hmm. It's uh, bringing some of the cast back. Okay. Getting the band back together. The thing is, is this is sort of like the the pipe dream of 1990 Chris Roberts of <laughs> what he he probably wrote into a notebook and what he what he wanted, and then now he's yeah. trying to realize it, and it's been uh, a rocky road. Yeah, with a yeah. lot of money involved, but a rocky road. <laughs> exactly, because it's go- been going on for eight years now. Um, it's still not really finished but it it there's something right there is something star citizen that you can actually play i'm not too sure i think there's some kind of there's various modes i remember listening to somebody's talking talking about it that there's some kind of alpha out that you can do some stuff in but they're yeah. promising like a single player campaign which you can play through and it's sort of like it might be Wing Commander Privateer on steroids and uh, and uh, all all kinds of other things. It's it's really just another of these sort of Kickstarter campaigns and investment campaigns is where you're lu- you're lucky to get what you wanted out of it, but then eventually it might turn to something good. Sort of like No Man's Sky turned out mm. is that first release was absolutely horrible, bad result, but now since they've regularly added things, they've patched things out, things have gotten better. Yeah, so yes. yeah, hasn't really got as far as a proper release yet though, for any of this. The problem is, is that when you'll actually get a proper release, maybe 2025, it's going to be quite some ways down the road. Well, yeah, eight years later, it's already quite some ways down the road, isn't it? But yeah, I'd say. I backed it, so hopefully one of these days. <laughs> you'll you'll never now, see Richard, your money ever. <laughs> you'll never see your money ever again. It's gone. Well, that's true. Um... They've also released this this sort of additional single player thing called Squadron Forty Two. That's not out yet. No, but they it's announced. It's like tied in into the Star Citizen universe, but it's a single player game or something. Yeah, yeah so see, I think it's like all one universe. It's, I think the theory is you just sort of go and play Squadron Forty Two, learn the game, and then it sort of opens up and you can go anywhere in the universe, sort of Elite Dangerous style, I guess. Yeah. Which I mean, it sounds cool. Uh, it does. It looks. So. It looks nice enough. I just need to actually release it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that involves actually making it, which seems to be not as straightforward as you might think. I don't know. He's well, been at so it for a good number of years. So. Well, yeah, they send out these emails on progress, and they're so long. I just, I never actually read any of them, so I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it's like a programmer's change log. Change the yeah. name of variable A to B. <laughs> but but that's what he's involved with now, right? I mean, yeah, this is the whole. It, 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 this man has has got quite the career, I would say. Yeah, yeah, he's continuing his history for making the most expensive games ever. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. I think every single one of his projects has been uh, delayed and and. Yeah, late and expanded. Well, well, well Wing Commander, the first game came out bang on time, did Wing Commander 1, oh, to be fair. Okay. Because they well. cheated with the bug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, I guess as long as the result uh, is good in the end, I can wait. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Nobody really remembers the delays in the end. So, yeah. Took Nukem forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that's the, the thing with Duke Nukem Forever, Florian, is that the game has never been released. Oh, right. So it's just not there. Just like <laughs> the second and third uh, Matrix movies. Exactly. That's exactly. never been made. No. Uh, just just for, for a bit of context, when you listed all the sequels and releases and, and stuff related to Wing Commander, usually in this document that we write, there's like three, four bullet points. Mm-hmm. In this document, mm-hmm. it's an entire page. It's an entire page of franchise. It's insane. Yeah. You should, we should, you should do another month in a, in a year or two and play one of them, I think. I think so, because most of these are for dolls, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. The whole main series is for dolls, except for maybe Prophecy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's quite good. We should. We will definitely revisit Wing Commander. Maybe three. That that seems cool. The uh, the whole FMV one. Although four has that yeah, as well. Yeah, four is the best one if you want a good movie. There's... Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe we'll do that one. DOS Game Club watches game. No movie. <laughs> no game. No whatever. <laughs> Well, it's, it's a lot more difficult as well. So they sort of amped up the missiles. So you'll, you can thank me for that if we do play it. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's all I've got, Florian. So yeah, that was... was Back to you. It was a lecture, just as I expected. Uh, I, was, I wasn't mm. disappointed. I did my best. <laughs> so usually at this point, we talk a bit about the tech and the art of the game. Shall we do that? Yes. So, uh, you mentioned earlier that the game actually doesn't require VGA, but it actually looks best in VGA, right? So, yeah, it's definitely designed for VGA, and the entire engine—I think it looked really great for the time, even right, or especially for the time. So you get definitely. get those huge sprites that rotate in 3D, and but you said they they could get a bit uh, very chunky pixels when you got close to mm-hmm. to whatever enemy you were chasing. But really, is, is, is it so much different from later games where you do the same, but with a 3D texture that gets very chunky? No. <laughs> so no. It's, it's no, very it's similar. it's sort of right? the same thing. Yeah, it's sort of the same thing. And I think this game really uh, does really well in terms of like screenshots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it must have been quite amazing in 1990, oh, actually, to look at this box totally and, that, and yeah. see these screenshots and think, wow, is this, is this game for real? Because... Yeah. Well, the answer. Well, the answer is slightly no with the with the box <laughs> screenshots because they were they were mocked up famously. Mm, okay, I I don't know that story. Well, there's, there's, I mean, it's not a lot to say to it, but they had to basically they had to get the box ready ages before the game itself's finished. Oh. So you end up mocking something together and saying it's a screenshot when it's actually just a sort of collection of art assets that someone's chucked together. So it looks like a screenshot, <laughs> right? And is it really? Is it quite different from the actual game? It's similar. It's a lot less pixelated, shall we say. Right, yeah. Certainly the one on the front cover, anyway. Hmm. I think it was more common to do, though. In Especially in the 80s, I remember a lot of ga- games having these elaborate box art graphics showing the most amazing thing. I, I remember Pirates, for example, which has this really nice... Like painted scene of two pirates, I don't know, looting something on an island, and well, the game. We we actually start the, the game. It's well, <laughs> it's not really that, is it? It's just blue pixels for the sea and green pixels for the land. At least they tried to depict <laughs> the game, right? Unlike other yeah. games, yeah. Like, um, or I think it was number two, Grand Prix Circuit, where you just see a guy with mm. with sunglasses, and which I think a girl. Oh yeah, I right. think a girl with sunglasses. That's yeah. the box. 
There's there's no girl in this game, no sunglasses either. This just... <laughs> Nowadays, oh, well. the the girl and the sunglasses would be optional DLC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, it does look really good, this game. Uh, at least, as I mean, I wanted to say a screenshot looks good because in motion is another oh, it's, question. It's, it's, it's basically a series of screenshots, right? Mm. <laughs> oh, a slideshow. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that's that's the right time to talk about it because that's that's the one big issue I had with the game. And you know, the gameplay is all great, and all the ways that you interact with the game are great. But you cannot get the game to play at a decent frame rate. You either need to use a slow computer, which will give you ten, maybe fifteen frames per second, and that was just a bit too chunky for me to actually do combat right. Or if you run it on a faster computer, then you will get a better frame rate, but also the game will run a lot faster. And I think for 1990, that's kind of unforgivable. Three, four years earlier, I would have said, yeah, okay, come on. They didn't expect PCs to get that much faster and people still playing the games. But a game like Wing Commander that ran relatively slowly and it was foreseeable that faster computers were coming. So... I uh, that's, that's a big grief I have with the game. Hmm. Yeah, I think they, they fixed it with a second mission pack, I think. That had its own executable, so it didn't help you with the original game. But didn't, but didn't the second mission pack just use the same sort of background engine as Wing Commander 2? Yeah, well, it, it does, yeah. It had its, it had its own executable, so you could only fly, fly that mission pack. You couldn't fly the original missions. The main, yeah. Uh, I guess if I had known that a month ago... <laughs> I would have played a bit more of the game. <laughs> ah, well, you never... Yeah, I, I think it does improve as the series progresses. I think each next game in the series plays slightly better. Yeah, I guess they also... I mean, they were working on Strike Commander, which works really well, and I guess they were they were yeah. co-chaired in the end between the projects, I assume. So. Yeah, Wing, Wing Commander 2 is quite a bit smoother, and you don't need to worry about the PC speed yeah. in the same way. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a big step up, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's just a little rough for this first one. I didn't mind it as much. I I don't know. I grew up with games yeah, running at 10 sure. frames per second anyway. It, it so. was just, it was really hard for me to aim and I, I just couldn't. Maybe, maybe I'm spoiled nowadays, but. Well, I've heard it. I mean, it's supposed to be one of the few games that's got problems with DOSBox itself, not emulating quite correctly. It's not hmm. just the speed of the machine. Oh. Yeah. Maybe well, it's that. I don't know too much about I also that, tried so. running it on my MMX machine and it ran too, way too fast there as well, even after <laughs> disabling well, yeah. the cache and, and <laughs> turning off or turning on I, turbo. And. I think this, this, was, this was possibly one of those that where you, uh, uh, in uh, the MMX era, the Pentium era, you would actually use stuff like MoSlow to mm-hmm. slow down your computer to a, to a slight yeah. crawl so you could actually play it. But this, this is one. This is really infamous in in the DOSBox era to get to, to run properly. I I had the GOG version, so that was sort of all set up for me. But uh, I was in an asteroid field with with my wingman and, and four Kilrathi ships, and I was down to like three frames per second. Yeah, oh, that's how it was, <laughs> pretty much. So <laughs> that's how it's supposed to run. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh... Because you you can you can imagine that it's basically rendering the positions of I don't know. Uh, a uh, hundred sprites, and then it's nope, yeah. nope, nope, no, yeah. nope, nope, nope. 
yeah. try to fire your guns and, and the ship is gone before you see the gun sprite, actually. Well, Origin released, uh, they actually ported a Windows version of like the first three games in the series called the Kilrathi Saga. I think it was released in 95. So you could actually run it through Windows in that and it had like digitized soundtrack. Hmm. So that was kind of like a preferred way to play the game for a bit until the likes of DOSBox got better. Right. Oh, that's a good one. I do feel that, uh, I mean, apart from the actual main gameplay, all the other stuff looks really excellent. Like like the the, the station, but also the cutscenes and that really iconic takeoff sequence, right? Where, the, yeah, where it's all red. Was that, yeah. was that taken from Battlestar Galactica, by the way? Did, did the original series have that sequence as well? I don't think so. I remember watching the original series and I don't remember anything like that. No. But but this is this is like me thirty years ago trying to remember stuff. Yeah, sure. So maybe it was it was uh, the new series stealing it from the game. Very maybe. possible. It's really cool though. It's 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 all red and and black, I think, and it's just focusing on the feet and and yeah, it's really it gets you pumped. It's it's got this music going and as you well. You shot out through this um, vent basically. Yeah, which is which is what yeah. I what I meant, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh. I just think that the whole presentation is, is yeah, really quite characters excellent. look awesome. Yeah. It's it's all, all really, really, really nicely done. But you'd expect that at that budget, right? Well, I think this this was quite remarkable for 1990, to be honest. Um there were some really good looking games. I mean, I remember King's Quest V also coming out from 1990, and that was also quite an impressive game in terms of graphics. Yeah, sure. I guess many uh, point-and-click adventures from the time already didn't look that much worse, right? Mo- Monkey Island was around this time, wasn't it? Yeah, that was 1990. September-ish, 1990, so... Yeah. That, that I mean, the close-ups on that look absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Totally. At least on the Amiga, right? <laughs> because on the PC... Well, it would, would have been EGA first on PC, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, but that released earlier on EGA and then uh, two months later on VGA. So okay. it was still but 1990. We we handled that in the Monkey Island episode. Go listen to all three hours of it. <laughs> yeah, I have, I've forgotten that. But, but I think for an action DOS game, for a PC game, this was really mm-hmm. a, a next level sort totally. of art stuff. Yeah, yeah yes. it, still, it still looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it still looks great. I guess it, it actually looks better now than it might have looked 15 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, because people were really wary of pixels at one point. I mean, yeah, like in the late nineties, early two thousands, that was that's something we've had a few times in the club already, right? That you that we noticed, hey, the game looks really nice, even by today's standards. And maybe yeah. maybe a couple of years ago, people would have seen it differently, but now it's really nice to look at. Yeah, yeah, you could totally release an indie game now that has this quality cutscenes, and it would be just fine. Does. Yeah. So yeah. So that's it. Graphics is good. Graphics great. Uh yeah. Sound. Music. You already talked yeah. about it that the music was um designed by a very famous person. And yeah, the fat man. Um it's all very orchestral style, which um well it, it does work really well in this game. It's sort of hit or miss, I feel, on on Adlib in general to do this. Uh, sometimes it's it's quite good, but sometimes it's also a bit, I don't know. But it does really work in, in Wing mm-hmm. Commander. Um, but it also really benefits from better sound hardware, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, many science fiction shows had similar style of music, right? I remember uh, TNG yeah. had very similar. All the um, Next Generation Star Trek series had similar music. So shall we listen yeah, to some yeah, yeah. music? Um, sure. I have the intro here of the game. I have it in Adlib and MT32. So let's start with Adlib, maybe. <laughs> very Star Wars-like, isn't it? Yeah, when, when the intro started, I thought, wow, is this the Star, mm-hmm. Star Trek theme song? The Star Wars, Star Wars also. Yeah. Right. So, so It's very, very similar. Yeah. Right? Which means that, that it will benefit from proper, oh well, let's proper in big quotation marks instruments. Yeah, exactly, so exactly. That's the thing. Let's compare the MT32 version, which I think sounds awesome. <laughs> We are um, obviously not sitting in the same room, but I got this in stereo. I assume you guys got the mono version of it, right? Yeah. So you'll you'll have mm. definitely have to listen to the podcast again to appreciate yeah. the stereo effects. It's really really nice. We'll we'll edit in uh, a proper stereo sure, version sure. for sure. So yeah, but it's 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 always with this orchestral type soundtrack that it it really benefits from better mm-hmm. samples, better s- sounds in general. So. Yeah, it really works. Actually, we got a message from Chris Hattelit, who is the composer for Accolade, who made games such as, well, Grand Prix Circuit, which we played, but also Test Drive and, well, lots of lots of games in the 80s and 90s. 
because I, I tweeted this clip uh, of, of me playing uh, Wing Commander with uh, AdLib emulated sound. And he, he replied, he said, it's much better with MT32. And then he linked us this MT32 version on YouTube. So yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of fun to... Uh, I, I mean, obviously, we've mentioned this before, but nobody actually had an MT32 <laughs> no. back in those days. No, right? but nowadays we have emulators at least, which are really cheap because they are free and they, they sound mm. decent. Yeah, and, and some smart people bought it off eBay some 10 years ago. Well, I've got two of them there. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good investment, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, so that's one of the things about DOS gaming, though, back then. You sort of you got a better PC, you could turn up detail levels and yeah, go yeah. back and play these games properly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's it's kind of cool that we can hear how it sounds now using that really good hardware, uh, which was only really available then to the likes of composers, I suppose. And apparently the music is adaptive too. So the music changes mm. as uh, as you get better or worse in the mission. I guess there's a reason I only never notice it changing. <laughs> yeah, you you do notice it when you get shot up too much and your armor goes down. Oh, really? the, the music does get more ominous in yeah. in that. So yes, definitely it does. It does change when you you do badly and or do well. Or for example, if you off the last enemy, it suddenly becomes more cheery for a second mm. and then goes back to a neutral tone. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not yeah, so it's not it's not massively interactive, is it? It sort of sets up a theme, sort of starting on specific events, uh, killing an enemy or entering combat, that sort of thing. Yeah, but it's still quite. Uh, I, I think it enhances the whole cinematic feel of the game. Uh, I, I remember when when you finally get that last shot in, and then the music changes to this whole cheery mood. Uh, it can really work. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a big part of the game, isn't it? The music for this seems also to be something really tied to the times, right? Like in the nineties, early nineties, I think wasn't Monkey Island as well that did something mm, similar? Totally, yeah. Although I think it was maybe Monkey Island Two. Yeah, it's Monkey Island Two. Monkey Island oh. Two had uh, the, uh, but it's it's a completely different thing from this. It's the the iMuse Two system is, or the iMuse system was a. Was sort of a uh, it was adding and removing instrument based on location. Oh, I see. Yeah, That's... yeah, and it just smoothly adapted, didn't it? With little passages. Uh, you, if you play the special edition with the commentary on, then uh, you you get a better better feel to that. But it's it's completely different from from this. This is more sort of space operatic cinematic mm. feel that that Marta mentioned. Is that something happens? You get a cheery music. You you feel like you're more safe or. Suddenly, you're you're losing badly, and and your armor is depleted, and you don't have any shields at the front, and then you get this ominous music like "I'm gonna die soon." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's time to hit Control E, and then move on to the next mission. It it is true that this was more of a thing in the in the early '90s, though, because all the music was was MIDI based, so it was more easy to do this sort of adaptive music, I suppose. Yeah. It just took up so much less space. It sort of died off a bit when yeah. we got CD audio coming in. Exactly, exactly. I mean, later it it was more sophisticated in a way, but uh, yeah, also less in a in a different way because it was just the one track playing and that was the music. So yeah, well, that's it. So if I went back and played X Wing or something, you know, I'd probably rather have the original soundtrack than the CD audio that they did in the remake. Mm. So nowadays yeah. for AAA games, it's also almost certain that you get some sort of dynamic music. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all started back then. But now games are like 
100 gigabytes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Is there anything more to say about graphics, sound, tech of the game? Well, I, the, I, the sound effects are just pew pew, and that's yeah. about it. Yeah. The, the, and so the, the music is more of the environment as, as well as the flying around and figuring out which way is up and how many <laughs> asteroids are behind you. There's no speech in this game, is there? Uh, there are in later ports, so the Sega CD version and I think the FM Towns version right. as well have uh, possibly Japanese speech. Yeah, it's, it's Japanese and that. But but not the the like the regular PC release of Wink. No, it One. never it never had a speech. Would pack also be added. difficult. I mean, they add your your call sign to all the messages that you get. So hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's it. I guess it's time to go through the massive list of franchise releases, Florian. <laughs> Uh, you you already did, so you already <laughs> summarized most of it. I think you actually listed all of that in here, right? Um, most of it, maybe. So yeah. there's Wing Commander one. There's lots of ports for it. Um, DOS. I think the most interesting one is probably the Super Wing Commander uh-huh. one, which is really weird because they basically remade the whole game, right? It's different graphics, different cutscenes, different everything. Yeah, yeah, a lot. It's it's basically the first game plus the first mission pack, and I think they sort of half messed around with the second mission pack a bit, so it's slightly different there. But yeah, it's a completely new set of graphics. I think the developers weren't allowed to use the original models or anything for okay. some reason. Okay. So, but it's sort of all FMVized, so you've got... Full speech yeah. for all the text. The text is more or less the same as what we're used to, and it's terrible, <laughs> terrible acting. That's what's common in the time. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and it was only released for the 3DO and for the Macintosh. Yeah, which are that's not right. well. The 3DO maybe, but the, the Macintosh is always a bit. Uh, is it really a gaming system? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe more then than now. Well, it was a, in 1995. It would have been a multimedia a platform for people yeah. that had too much money and needed it for mm. work. Right. Same thing nowadays. Well, eh, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it looks a bit like privateer sort mm. of level, sort of. So it's, it's similar with all the sprites, just a bit, just a bit mm. better. So. I prefer the original if I had to pick either of them because I can live without that FMV, frankly. I was amazed the sequel was released so quickly after the first game because the first game is from 1990, but the sequel is from 91. It's like one year later. I don't remember who said it earlier that most of the development time probably went into the engine and then they had the engine, Mm. right? Yeah. I mean, if you consider just tacking on the story sequences... Uh, drawing up a, some art and maybe tweaking the engine a bit so it doesn't run badly on on <laughs> fast machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the big. That's the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of it was incremental. They added. They added a lot more settings for the cutscenes. They had like a proper story, really, hmm. rather than just sort of chatting in the right. bar. And the speechback was also introduced for two. I think. Yeah, it was. But if you if you consider that, say, if it was released September nineteen ninety, that means it would have gone gold in like July mm. or June, yeah, because of of shipping uh, delays and manufacturing. So they had actually a lot more time than you think. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, 
All the same shipping stuff is also true for the second game, right? So, mm. yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. So, is there anything in this list that we haven't mentioned? There's uh, the expansion packs that you have already mentioned. Um, apparently, there are even more ports for the Amiga CD32, PlayStation, PSP, Windows 95, and then all the sequels that you already mentioned, spin-offs, anything else. Well, the the Wing Commander three and four are notable for the for the FMVs, like we said. We didn't say much about Prophecy, which I also don't think. Well, it is a main series Wing Commander, but it's also kind of not right because it's. I don't think Chris Roberts is involved at all. I don't think. No, it it left by then. And 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 even Origin isn't really involved. I think it's an EA game. Oh, it's definitely Origin game, but oh, okay. Well, it's certainly released by them. It was. They sort of dialed down the F- FMV. I mean, it still had quite a lot of FMV, but they dialed it back a fair bit and sort of concentrated more on the game. It's, it's, it's supposed to be a sort of reboot of all the, the series, and to some okay. extent. So you've been fighting the Kilrathi in the first three, and you got Wing Commander Four that sort of stood alone, and then there was had these new bug alien things, sort of like giant cockroaches oh. or something. Okay. So it's re- really nice graphics for the time, all 3D effects. Oh, that's cool. And that, so it's it's quite it's quite a nice engine. The story the story was a bit disappointing, and it sort of ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. Mm. And then we never got the sequel, of course. No, no, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think I think the in the spin-offs, that's where really some of the gems are, especially Privateer, which I think might be one of the well. To me, at least, I, I heard a lot of people talk about Privateer as just being amazing. Yeah, it's a great game. It's Privateer. It's 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 a fantastic game in in, in by itself. I mean, yeah, it's it's absolutely humongous. Yeah, so I think that's maybe even where Wing Commander really well reached more people than they did with just the main series. Because I remember a lot of people playing Privateer. People who played none of the other Wing Commander games. So, yeah. Um, you played Academy, right, uh, Esco? Yeah, Academy is basically Wing Commander 2 with a mission editor. So you mm. get to choose your wingman and then you get to choose uh, uh, what you're going up against with what uh, what craft and everything. So it's it's basically just a, a little simu- a nice little simulator thing. You, you right. can, I, I don't know. I've only put in like a uh, about a hundred hours or so into Academy. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. it, it came. It came with our four eighty six computer. We we bought it, and it, and it came with this EA CD that had all all these games on it, like Academy, and then it had Ultima Seven and oh and uh, all the Savage World and Ultima Underworld One and stuff. Mm. It's this it's EA collection CD. I never. I don't have the original, but I bought a, a second copy of the CD later. But I. But I uh, I still have it, and I used it back in the Ultima Seven month to actually install hmm. Ultima Seven. So it's That's cool. it's it's basically just more Wing Commander Two without the story, and then you just fly around and do mission, and not do the specific mission that you designed, and, right. and get sort of. So that's how I, for example, I I easily stepped into the Wing Commander uh, controls, no problem, because I just remembered it. Sort of like mm. okay, tabs after after burners, and, yeah. And uh, backspace is automatically set your speed to zero, and all all that stuff comes from uh, the academy uh, playing academy a lot. Mm. Armada is really a different sort of thing, right? Yeah, that's that's the one multiplayer game really out of the 
That was that used the Wing Commander three engine actually before Wing Commander three mm. came out, but it's it's sort of a bit of a strategy game where you sort of maneuver your carriers around a system, exploring and sort of mining resources, and then you get to go into little dogfights mm. as as well. But you could, I, I remember, I was I, that came out when I was a student, so I remember sort of linking up with a null modem cable with some of my housemates. That's awesome to play that. Isn't it more of a strategy game? Yeah. You've, well, you build your resources and your fleet, but then you've actually got to fight. If the combat itself, you can actually fight it out. So one on each, and if you you have like so many ships, and if one of them blows up, you just hop into another one if you've got any left right. in that that sector. So it was this sort of flying straight at each other and shooting and turning <laughs> sort of becomes very very apparent when you're playing <laughs> multiplayer. So that's all you're doing. Uh, don't you have a boxed copy of this, Florian? I have. I have, let me check. I have exactly three Wing Commander games. Three, four, and Amada. Huh. Well, I, you, you, you're a missing privateer, but I think those are pretty good ones. Well, cool. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever opened it, ever played it? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no more. Yeah. Uh, Not good enough. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, Privateer got a sequel. Um, what's what's Wing Commander Arena though? It's from two thousand seven. Yeah, that was I've never played it. That was released on Xbox Live. Okay, I think and I didn't have an Xbox, <laughs> so I never got to play that one. It, it sounds it sounds more like it's like a multiplayer uh, of Wing Commander, so you just sort of fly around it. But I don't know really. Okay, so yeah, it's 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 like a sixteen player free for all. Mm, yeah. So it's half Terran, half Kilrathi, and you just kill each other. It it could be fun, but I think it's supposed to yeah. be all right from what I've heard. But uh, I, IGN gave it four point nine out of oh. ten. Yeah, Metacritic gets it a fifty one. So, oh, mm, but it, it's it was Xbox three sixty. So right. It's, I mean, for for us being maybe more PC gamers, we just mm. never got into it, and it was probably more arcadey, and it required the internet connection, and yeah, everything. Right. Um, there was also supposed to be a Privateer Three, which was also called Privateer Online for a while. I think uh, it never materialized, did it? So, yeah. I think it just got cancelled, but I'm not sure. I think there's quite a history, actually, to trying to make this third privateer game. I think they did several attempts, but... Yeah, I think Origin's final few years a sort of catalogue of cancelled projects, Mm, really. Right. Um, Is Wing Commander Strike Team also among them? I I don't think that got very far at all, that one. That was like a first-person shooter, wasn't it? Oh, boy. I have no idea, but that sounds like a terrible idea. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe if you run at each other and then turn around and shoot each other in the back, like the- you could have like combined it, sort of done like combine X Wing and Dark Forces or something uh, like that. It could have been that could have been interesting. That's that's actually a good idea. Yeah, but it was cancelled as well. So yeah, I think I think these are all the Wing Commander games to date, not including stuff like Freelancer mm-hmm. or Star Citizen, which are. Outside of the 
Wing Commander universe, although sort of tied in. But yeah, these are the, the, the official main Wing Commander games, I think. To summarize, a lot. A lot of games, yes. Yes. <laughs> and then there's also oh. novels, and there's an animated TV series. Did you know that there was like a kid's cartoon Wing Commander Academy show? Yeah, I've, I've, I've got, I was trying to find the day. I've got a DVD of it somewhere. And I cannot find it to save my life. I was going to dig it out. Yes, everything. I've, 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 I've heard of it, but I apparently, apparently, it wasn't that great. It's they were they were all right actually. It was a lot better than the movie, from what I remember. So. <laughs> that does better require than the movie that got ten percent on Red. Red so they got they had the they had the cast of the game. So they had like Mark Hamill doing his role wow. and Malcolm McDowell, and they had Tom Wilson doing Maniac. Mm. Okay, so so they had the proper voice cast. It was it was it was all right. Okay, but it's it's been a few years. So mm. Still, I'll still find it sooner fun. or later. Yeah, we mentioned the film. I think the only thing left on the list is the collectible card game <laughs> inspired by um, Magic the Gathering, obviously. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, probably what's around. Every, then, everybody yeah. by the mid-90s was doing collectible card games. There's the Battletech exactly. collectible card game. There's the Babylon 5 collectible card game. There's the Star Wars collectible yeah. card game. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's very much that. Uh, so. so they were really trying every avenue with the Wing Commander franchise. Every medium was... Apparently it worked. Uh, yeah, sort it of. a big deal at the time. It has its fans, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fans who donated 300 million to a nice yeah, basically, exactly, yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, this is very much the reason why it got so much money, this Kickstarter campaign, is because it's just a huge franchise with... Uh, a ton of fans who are really passionate about this. So, and 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 content has been somewhat lacking, has it? I mean, in in recent years, not a whole lot of Wing Commander stuff has come out. So, yeah, I can see people craving this stuff. So, what's what's left to discuss is contemporary reviews, and when you check them um, on, on Moby Games, for example. Then you see that uh, reviews start at 38% and they go what? up all the way to 100. But, wow. Yes. When you take out all the Amiga and console ports, then the worst review that you find is 75%. Right. And that's from 2017. If you remove that oh. one, then the worst review that you find is actually 85%. There and you everything go. else is above. Yeah. This game was just really impressive for 1990. And I think most people saw that. It was an impressive game with horrible ports, apparently. <laughs> that's, I guess that's a good summary. If, if you actually go look up, look up on how the ports were done, they were pretty bad. I mean, you, you can't count the FM Towns port because, um, yeah, that's something that never made it over this, this, way, this side of the world. I mean, it was never, the FM Towns computer was never released outside of Japan. No. No. Yeah, but many consider those the ultimate editions on, on some of these. But uh, it was very difficult to find a contemporary review for Wing Commander 1 because a lot of gaming magazines didn't start up until later, mm. like 1991 mm. even. So so it was interesting. I've, I've looked into like computer gaming world and all they have is Wing Commander is a game. They, they didn't <laughs> give it like a number or, or a final verdict. or they, It was more... It, it felt more like an advertising statement than anything else. Mm. 
Right, that, that's on on mobile games as well. Just says, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a game, right? <laughs> yeah, precisely what you said. <laughs> Aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, well, I, I'm looking at a at a um, at a scan you did, Richard, from PC Plus. I think that's yeah. sort of a, a real review. I've got that dodgy screenshot actually on that review. I'm noticing looking at it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse. This is this is advocating. A lie. This is saying this is what the game looks like. Well, it doesn't really. It definitely doesn't look quite as nice as that. You got to admit. So. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're fairly favourable. I think I, to be honest, I'd have expected like five out of five from everyone back then. So mm. they, they give it a four out of five. Yeah, seeing room for improvement. But, but this, is, this is sort of back in the day when I got my games reviews from sort of business magazines with about the three pages. <laughs> so this was one of them. Yeah. It doesn't give it five out of five for graphics. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. The the PC Plus they have graphics as a category, and then the other categories are instant appeal <laughs> and lasting appeal. Yeah, well, I guess for the for the nineties, graphics were the very thing. important, right? So yeah. Nowadays, yeah. you just you just expect a game, a triple A game at least, to have great graphics. It's nothing mm. you would actually have to talk about anymore, mm. unless it, it goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It it says here in the review that it uh, it runs from eleven five and a quarter inch discs. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> Better get a hard disk. I think I think the, it, I think it doesn't run from eleven. It's installable from eleven. Yeah, yeah I, I imagine you because yeah, I, exactly. I I went up to uh, the Wing Commander news site and there's an alternate installer executable patch which doesn't mm. do the system scan and all the conversion of the graphics. Mm. So so it just installs it basically in basic right. VGA form. So that was that existed. So I'm guessing this this game just had to be installed. It's not a yeah, I thought so as well. But actually, no. It might. It might have had a floppy option. Now I'm thinking about it on the install. You might have had to install it to your own floppies. PC Plus Magazine says it can run from floppies, but I can't imagine swapping out eleven discs. No, That's just not not something I've ever thought to try. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I, I'd imagine there's a lot of uh, a lot of resource duplication on the floppies because then you'd have sort of like combat starts insert floppy mm. number three. Yeah, yes. and then then you have co- the whole combat and all the sprites you need for combat are in floppy number three. And then you <laughs> go one one sector forward, and then you need floppy number seven. Yeah, and each cutscene has its own floppy, and uh, pretty yeah. much. Just, yeah, I mean it's oh. it's uh, maybe not that great of the of the time because that'd be just too many floppies. It 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 the, the review literally ends with. Uh, However, with a hard disk and good graphics, it can be highly recommended. So, yeah, yeah, I don't think they they really say you should play it from floppies. <laughs> so that's the reviews. But if we want to play the game nowadays, how would we do that? Someone mentioned GOG already. Yeah, that's really the way to go, isn't it? It's on sale yeah. all the time. You can get it for like one euro. I think I got it for like one and a half euros yeah. or something, something like that. Yeah, and that that includes wing the uh, the add-ons and Wing Commander too. Yeah, that, so that's what I did. Can't beat that. Getting two games for the price of one. Mm, that's that's really the way to go. 
I have no idea what the situation is on eBay for like big box collectors or anything. I can't really tell you because when when I search on German eBay for Wing Commander, I get like offers for a million different copies of Wing Commander 4. Mm. <laughs> I, so it seems like that was really popular around here because there are like just so many so many boxes of that. Yeah, I think they sold enough. It should it can't be that hard to find. <laughs> but but the older games two and one specifically are almost impossible to find on eBay. So I can't really tell you really what what they are worth. At least not around here. Maybe in the US it's different, but Central Europe no chance. Yeah, here's the uh, the Windows sort of special deluxe edition, which has uh, secret missions one and two, and that's like eighty five euros. Hmm. Uh, that's pretty expensive. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at a a set of three games. It's like Wing Commander one, two, and three together for hundred fifty dollars. Is that the Kawathi Saga? Uh, oh, is it three separate? It's boxes? it's three separate boxes. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, I I guess it is possible to find these, but it's also it requires some research. I think there's so many versions and so many releases yeah they did a few they did a deluxe edition that had all the mission packs in which if you were going to look look for a boxed copy Mm. that might be the one and then finding actually one that has all the blueprints and magazine intact yeah that's a different story (laughs) so it's it's really there's (laughs) honestly if unless you're looking for one of the special console ports it's probably best off just getting it on GOG or if you want a big box copy then just <laughs> put your uh, put your uh, wallet where, you're, mm. where you want to put it yeah. <laughs> and go for it yeah. I think so, some, some, some member actually just bought the copy and they got it off eBay like pretty cheap and they uh, showed all the stuff it wasn't yeah. that expensive so every once in a while they might come up for like maybe 30-40 euros yeah you can always be lucky yeah well, the- it used to be cheap enough. I kind of out of touch. I mean, if you have it, you have your own set on the shelf. You think you don't know how hard it is to get one now, but it used to be dead easy. There were loads of them around hmm. a few years back. Yeah, a few years ago is I think when all the retro gaming stuff exploded. So, uh, well, it's, it's, thanks LGR. Yeah. It's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> thanks DGC. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> right. So that's how you get the game. But should you get it? What do you guys say? Does it hold up? Well, it does have the frame rate issue, as you said. So if you really, uh, if you really want to play this just for the space action, then maybe it's better to look at one of the sequels in the series because I think it does just gets better as the series goes on. So if you just want to be fighting in space, then well, maybe. Uh, play the sequel or the third or the fourth game. Uh, they're all for DOS, so that's quite good for me, at least, so you can play it in DOSBox. Um, the first one is a little rough, although I found it really interesting, and I had a lot of fun with it, so if you're willing to look past the whole frame rate thing, I I think it's pretty cool. So, I, I mean, it's just $1.50 or something on GOG, so it's it's easily worth that. And then you get the second game, so if you get fed up with all the issues, you can just jump into Wing Commander 2. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of lot of gameplay for one Euro fifty and good gameplay actually. Yeah. 
I, I think it, it's def, it's definitely worth worth the no mon- no amount of money that it actually costs. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> easily. And it's also just an interesting thing. I mean, in the whole history, right? I mean, this is uh, yeah. quite a notable, it's certainly a historic game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think I think this is where DOS gaming really took off. Hmm. For me, I think it's sort of when it's people start looking at a PC with envy, mm. all the Amiga owners. <laughs> yeah, especially when they got the sixteen color port about three years later, or whatever it was. Yeah, well, two years later, nineteen ninety-two, I think mm. it was Amiga. Yeah. yeah. So, Esco, your opinion? Would you recommend it? I pretty much agree with Martin on on this on on the whole thing. It's it's because not having played it before, it it does feel a bit clunky in in places where I've played. Uh, I played Academy and and that was felt much better. I've played it. I've played Academy with a joystick as well. So I I think if you go the route that we recommend with GOG and stuff, is then hook up a joystick or or get one from a console or something and and uh, play play with that. It might be a lot more fun that way than than it is actually. And you can map special stuff to like if you want to to map eject to one of your uh to your Xbox or uh PlayStation uh, pads and uh, to a key then that's possible through DOSBox and everything so mm. it's a lot more fun that yeah. way and then sort of flying around is is sort of more intuitive yeah i think it was richard actually who who i think it was his first post on the forums is look guys if you're going to play wing commander <laughs> Get a joystick. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have a joystick. All right. Yeah, I tried playing with my Wingman, Logitech Wingman, but since that's a game port, joystick, and my MMX was too fast for the game, I had no, to go with the PlayStation that's not controller. Yeah. So, Richard, I doubt I actually have to ask you about your opinion, <laughs> but would you give it? Oh, yeah, would you I give it like Wing Commander, staying, Richard? I was staying quiet. So <laughs> I thought it went without saying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I th- anyone listening should obviously play this. That's what I think. But it's, I mean, actually, I'm, I sort of went into this podcast wondering what people who hadn't played it would think because all the cutscenes and that still look nice, but the sprite engine's very much a product of its time, isn't it? But mm. I think the gameplay still holds up. I could, I could see the starting with Wing Commander Two. It's where I started anyway back in the day. So. I think, yeah, I think for, for $1.50, every, anyone should give it a go and see if they like it or not. <laughs> I think so similarly. So um, the only issue I really had with the game was the frame rate. Um, I, if you want to make it smoother and it doesn't work, that's that's kind of a bummer because we have all this compute power now. But that said, the gameplay itself seemed solid to me, fun. The cutscenes are great. The way the story develops, how it's, how it's told. I like all of that. So... Actually, I actually recommend the game if you can live with 15 frames per second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what I really appreciated is that the first couple of missions aren't super difficult. Um, because I was really fearing that this game would just not be my sort of thing. Because I'm not normally, I don't normally play these sorts of flight simulator sort of games. So I was, I was thinking I might struggle. But actually, the first couple of missions are quite doable. So. Even for a complete novice like myself, I I felt like a pretty badass fighter pilot. So, yeah, that's cool. So, in conclusion, get the game, try it. It's not expensive, right? Very much. And I guess that concludes our discussion of the game. 
So there's just more talk about the club. And since I'm hosting today, you have the honors of doing all the other stuff. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, well, the it's it's half about halfway through October right now, uh, which is of course spooky Halloween month. So we've picked uh, Ecstatica for this for this one, which um, I have to really dive in. I, I installed the game, I played it a little bit, but I really have to still dive into it for real. It is, uh, yeah, it's really trial and error sort of gameplay, I think. It's it's not that bad if it, you just it's really hard to get into at first. Yeah, you just sort of battle through that. It's really good actually. Okay, that's interesting. I will get into it. So uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Although actually, this episode won't be posted uh, until November, I think. So actually, by then the uh, month will be over. Uh, and in November, we are going to play the excellent Street Rod, which is. One of my favorite games ever. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, it's it's a really cool racing game. It's uh, it's set in the 60s in, in California, I think. Uh, it's all about these American hot rods. And what's really cool about this game is that it's not just the racing, but it's really also about buying these cars and then upgrading them getting new parts in switching out the gearbox and then tuning the engine and chopping the roof down and changing the tires and it's you're really building your own cool vehicle and then racing it so that's it's really a lot of fun that's squid rod right and in december we are doing another one of those <laughs> play as many games as you think fit into the theme yeah Months, right? The second one this year, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the pinball one earlier. Uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be similar, but it's going to be skiing themed. So we figured December, winter, snow, let's let's go skiing. Oh, that's why. That is why. Yes, that is why. <laughs> yeah. I think these sorts of games, it would be difficult to really have one of them for the whole month. But there are loads of them, actually. There's yeah, Ski or Die, sure. there's Winter Games, there's... Yeah, we, we, we started the list somewhere, and it was like like 20 titles already in the first 10 minutes. So. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Seems to be a popular topic. It seems, actually, that there's even a version of uh, Ski Free for, for DOS, which I thought was a Windows-only game. So, yeah, there's uh, Super Ski Downhill Challenge. Uh, there's... Of course, Winter Olympics, Lilhammer 94. There's the Games Winter Challenge. Many, there's, many, many games, right? There's a lot of skiing <laughs> games. So, yeah, we're going to play all of them. We're going to discuss all of them. It's going to be DOS Skiing Month. And, and so that's the plan for the coming months. Uh, if you like this DOS stuff, then you can uh, check us out on our website, which is dosgameclub.com where you can uh, post on the forums with us to, to discuss the games we are playing. You can also suggest new games. There's also information about sending voice messages, which you can send through email to club at dosgameclub.com. We're also on IRC. We're on the uh, DOS Game Club channel on Afternet. But if you don't, are not an IRC person, then you can also use the widget on our website to chat with us there. We're also on Twitter, where we're called DOS Game Club as well. And yeah, that's that's our 
all our social channels. Now, if you want to uh, leave a feedback, leave a review, if you're using a, a podcast app, then perhaps you can rate us and, and, and write something about us. And then, well, we'll hopefully read it and, and, and enjoy that. So, yeah. You, you know, you said IRC. And, and did you notice that there are lots of DOS gamers on IRC that actually join us? It's almost as if DOS gamers had a thing for old technology. <laughs> you think? It's <laughs> <a bit> weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, several people have asked us if we shouldn't start a Discord or something, but uh, yeah, may, it's, it's may. maybe, but it doesn't seem like our sort of audience, right? I mean, no, and doesn't seem like the hosts audience, uh, the hosts thing. So yeah, so no, we'll we'll, we'll just. I mean, I I don't like it. I think you're indifferent, but yeah, I whatever. I don't <laughs> mind it as much, but I I definitely can see the appeal of the old stuff. So yeah. I think IRC. So come join, come join us on IRC and try to convince us to start up a, right. a exactly. Discord server. Exactly. <laughs> that's a, that's that's good marketing there. Good job. Good job. So yeah. So that's it. That's it. Thanks for joining, Esco, Richard. Thanks for having me yet again. Yeah. Thanks for asking me back as well. <laughs> yeah, you are always welcome guests. It's always great shows when you're on. Not that the other shows aren't great too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, it really is true that all of the people who we've met through the years doing DOS Game Club are just amazing. So Yes, it's it's really... I, I didn't expect that when we started. It's, I thought maybe maybe we'll do five episodes and then we'll be bored and annoyed by all the people <laughs> who will oh, just be terrible. But, you know, gaming communities are often ter- terrible, right? That's not how it is at all. Yeah. The people we that, that find us, they all are awesome. Yeah. So... Retro retro games is where it's at for the if you want to meet nice people. That's yes, that's what absolutely yep. yeah. Cool. Anyway, that's it for the show, I guess. Yeah. So see you all next time. Exactly. For Ecstatica. <laughs> bye. 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 We're done.